Betty Bamalam. This is another episode of Link to the Cast. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan, here for your weekly dose of hot takes and boiled piss. I'm joined on the couch beside me by the platforming prodigy, Mark Robinson. How are you, Mark? Surely it's bi-weekly. Yeah, well, look, we try to be weekly and it um, doesn't happen. Sometimes it's tri-weekly. The irony that I have moved here and the uh, production process... Less frequent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're like the anti-catalyst. And I'm also joined, as I am every week, by the RPG wonderkind, Brian McNamara. Brian, how are things? Dying of a cold over there. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, we had to take a, a brief pause. We said we were ready to start recording and then I go to reach for the thing and suddenly Brian's rooting through the back to get his, his tablets. But you're, how are you feeling now? On a, on a scale of one to dying, how is it cold? <laughs> Not to yeah. put you on the on the spot or anything. Tried desperately to come up with a game related pun there, and I was like, "Dying light <laughs> makes nothing, no sense." Nothing. No, there's nothing. No, nothing. I'll be honest. I didn't even realise Brian had a cold until about ten seconds ago. Yeah, he's doing pretty well. Oh, all sniffly, like. You know. I mean, you, you're not wearing any less clothing than you would in like any other normal day. So Brian's in hot pants, just for those of you who can't hear. Who can't see? No, it is too cold. I like to wrap up warm, man. That's how I roll. No, I'm not. I'm fucking in a hoodie in my dressing gown right now. So I'm... you look good. Um, it's amazing today that, that we've gotten together to do this podcast on what has turned out to be a national day of mourning in Ireland, as yeah. Mother Whispers has alerted me. We're recording this on the afternoon. Curiously, it's weird to record this show when there's natural light pouring through the window, <laughs> but we're recording this mere hours after the crushing defeat of Conor McGregor. Your boy. Yeah, our boy. Our national hero turned, uh, oh, who can we blame this on now? Um, seen a lot of stuff this morning, blaming the... The, the gall of him to try and fight in his own natural weight class. Um, oh, you're going to get everything um, yeah. between now and whenever he fights next. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see now because it's a thing that happened. I think I mentioned it to Brian this morning. It's a thing that happened with the Irish rugby team when Irish rugby started getting really popular and everyone was on about it all the time. Yeah. And as soon as they weren't winning loads or at least like uh, the first time they majorly disappointed after that happened a lot of people started to drop off the, the quote-unquote bandwagoners. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see what the kind of reaction is going on here. Yeah. I just like the idea of, of the men that have gone over to Vegas and remortgaged their house four times over to go and see McGregor lose to a Diaz brother. I know, yeah. God. That has to hurt. Shall we talk about some games? Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Yeah, let's well, do that. Let's talk about some games. Mark, what have you been playing this week? Oh, Jesus. Or Mark. this two weeks? Uh, I I am I am down the well. I think we, we talked about the well. You were just, you were looking into the pit of the well when last we spoke. But yeah, now you've gone dun, way dun, down, way dun, down dun, the hole, dun, as the dun, team's dun, on dun, the wire would suggest. Dun, yeah, dun, dun, dun. I need to I need to really put this into context, right? So when it comes to Pokemon, um, you either go hard or you go home. And you have gone hard, my I, friend. I go really hard. At one point, there's places on the internet for you, man. In the I'll tell you about in the dark plate spinning that was going on at Pokemon during the week, was at one time we were playing three different versions of Pokemon at the same time. Oh, we're at four now. Four, you're at four now. We're at four. Yeah, uh, count them down. Which which are your four that you're rocking at the moment? Well, we got X. Yeah, uh, we've got our playthrough of Blue that we're doing. Yeah, check that out on YouTube. We're doing a daily series Monday to Friday where we're playing through Pokemon Blue very slowly. I downloaded Pokemon Red in celebration of the 20th anniversary of the original release. Indeed. And then for some asinine reason, I decided to buy. Um, Alpha Sapphire? Yeah, Alpha Sapphire. Yeah, because I have Omega Ruby. Because I didn't have that, and it actually looked pretty interesting. And if it weren't for the fact that I can't 
transfer Pokemon across from Generation 4 to Generation 5, I'd still be playing uh, Gold right now as well. Because this is where it starts getting a bit crazy now, is that you're trying to breed like an army of perfect Pokemon for competitive battling. Well, At one point, I came down to you and you were trying to catch a billion Ditto. That's still in the pipeline. So maybe basically uh, explain let me why the ditto. Let me well, let me try and put this. See, in if, the song see if you know now, Brian. Because ditto see, can be anything you want. See if you can even follow along how this could be fun for even ten seconds of this explanation. Let, I need to put it to go back. So uh, after generation three, I want to say maybe two, maybe three. Um, they game freak had to kind of overhaul the the battling system of Pokemon. Uh, one of the things they did is in the first two generations, you had your HP, your attack, your defense, your speed, and your special, mm-hmm. which special consisted of your attack and defense together. Yeah. They split that in, I think, generation three. Um, so they had to completely overhaul the system. And it was at that point that I got quite interested. I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. I'm into this. Like, I had pretty much collected everything from gen one, gen two. I had to start all over again, and that went for everyone. Um, and then what happened is after Generation 4, which was your Diamond and your Platinum and your Pearl, yeah, uh, I had, like all the games up to that point, I had a good three to 400 hours of Pokemon-ing in me, and then proceeded to lose all of them. Uh, and then I kind of found myself having a sort of love-hate relationship with Pokemon from that point onwards. And what would happen is every kind of six months to a year... I'd get into this position I'm in now where I'd go hard or go home and I'd always go really, really hard. And I'd think, right, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get into this, I'm gonna uh, make my army of Pokemon, I'm gonna get into some kind of competitive battling, yada 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 yada. And what game... you've already lost Brian. Yeah. And Brian's the RPG guy. Yeah. And <laughs> see he's not talking about any of the RPG elements here. He's talking <laughs> about the turn based combat, which yeah. is the worst thing about it. And so, but game, what Game Freak have done is over each generation, they've made it, I'm not going to say easier, because you still have to put the work in, but they've made it more convenient to get into making competitive Pokemon, because, or competitive battling Pokemon, should we say, because one of the other things they introduced in Generation 3 onwards is what we call uh, hidden IVs. So, you've got... <laughs> Wait, just wait, watching wait, Brian's wait, face wait, as you say these wait, things. Wait, I've heard this explanation a good half of Wait. So you've got your HP, your speed, your attack, defense, special attack, special defense. All right. Now the maximum points you can get for any of those is two hundred and fifty-one. So each Pokemon has a base level they can start with. Uh, a lot of them Pokemon, a lot of the Pokemon can't get past whatever number you want to get to. But if you want to get any of those Pokemon to two hundred and fifty-one. You have to um, find, like, you have to catch like a whole bunch of the same Pokemon until you find ones that have these hidden values, that have a base level or whatever. And you go to this man, and he tells you, "Oh well, uh, this Pokemon, its stats on speed are incredible; they can't be beaten." So you know you've got like a perfect IV of speed for that Pokemon. The reason I was catching a whole bunch of Ditto is because Ditto can breed with anything. If you can find Ditto's that have, say, a bunch of IVs, perfect IVs of like speed, HP, and defense. That means I can breed it with this other Pokemon, and hopefully that Pokemon will have those perfect IVs. And that's how you kind of get into the competitive battling. That's where I am now. And this is why next summer we'll be getting Pokemon Eugenics, the Master Race Edition, <laughs> courtesy just, of Mark Robinson. I just want to stop at this point. Are you okay? <laughs> I just, like, like, I mean, I'm just going like, to, like, I'm real 
happy for you. That you're, <laughs> I'm not. I'm that, not happy that for you. You're, you're, you're that be. passionate. You shouldn't about be happy. It, you shouldn't encourage that. Him. You're that passionate. About, but I mean, like, what happened to just vicariously becoming a man? through the challenges faced by a small 10-year-old boy kicked out of his house by his mother, given a wild animal in a ball by a creepy old man and thrown into the long grass. Go that way and become a man. That's that's why I play ball. Well, look, when to remind thing, myself like, that the, I am a man! The thing is, like, that at a certain point, Mark had the cheek turn around to me when I said that I just play the game through and I finish it and then I'm done with it, to call that crazy. Look, when they make Pokemon Origins right, and then they explore what you've just done there... After this you know, show, I'm going to play back the preceding five minutes and see how crazy you sound. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm, look, I am self-aware. I'm fully self-aware of how completely out of my mind as a 28-year-old that I have just explained all that to you, right? Fully self-aware. I also don't have a job at the moment, and this I need some way to kill the hours. Ah, uh, that'll kill them real good. Yeah, it fucking is. <laughs> But it must be said, even if we just talk about Alpha Sapphire here, which is the newest release, which was what, it's about two years old now, maybe? Yeah, yeah half Yeah. One thing that is introduced, which I actually think is a really cool feature, is the, and I still can't remember the actual pronunci- the actual way it's said, is it Dexnav? Is that one? Oh, so, uh, Pokenav, maybe something like something that. Something like yeah, that. Yeah. Basically, the thing what, that shows you where the... Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the basically, area. it... Yeah. When you have a patch of grass, you'll that's see like a... stupid thing that starts flashing so you have to move really fucking slow. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. you'll scare no, up no, the no, Pokemon. No, 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 no. I'll explain why it's really good. Because this is one of the ways where it can help you to find rarer Pokemon or Pokemon that have like hidden abilities, hidden stats. Like it shows you before you even catch yeah, it. Yeah, the Pokemon itself may not be rare, but it may well have rare stats. Yeah, it might have uh, uh, an ability that it can't learn. Where you would usually have to get it to breathe with another Pokemon to make it learn a move. Now it might have that move straight away. Which, in a way, now turns the game into almost like a, a little bit of a... Um, kind of Borderlands Diablo loot based sort of system where you're kind of looking around finding you're the different loot for legendary loot yeah kind of almost um, what I do at least appreciate about Pokemon is that you can get whatever you want out of it that there is the surface level oh yeah myself and yourself yeah, he's right. making Pokemon sound really not fun to there me. is yeah there is the, the maddening no offence genuinely no offence intended but like you're making Pokemon sound really unfun yeah, to no, me. and I, kind of like I, I'm that guy sitting there going, "Nah, Gen One's the best because it's just simple, straightforward. This is what it is." I, I dislike intensely all that extra shit that's come in with the newer ones. I, I, I cannot argue with you because as a man who fucking hates RPGs because of the amount of the the amount that goes into understanding them, right? Because I've had Pokemon for the last twenty years and I've been on that journey the whole way. Yeah, you I are you are familiarized with like they are broadly the same mechanics. I understand what a cleanse tag is. I wouldn't yeah. expect anyone who's coming in from Gen One to Gen Six and missed everything in between to know what the fuck is going on. Totally get that. Because the only two games where I, I have gone completely insane in understanding everything, the nuances, is Pokemon and The Binding of Isaac. Because there's mm-hmm. a load of shit to understanding that. And so I get it, I get it. And going back and playing the first Pokemon game, uh, Pokemon well, Red and Blue, like, it is amazing to see how far they've come along. And it's also interesting to see how fucking infuriating that first gen is, because... Yeah, you'll check this out. Not to go into too much detail, because I think we'll bait the hook a little for the YouTube series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, We've run into quite a few things about Gen 1 that are like, why the fuck are things done like this? Thank God that even by Gen 2, they've ironed out some of these. Um, and one of the things that I keep saying when we're playing, like, because I've been... I finished off Omega Ruby while you were playing some of your Pokemon things while we were watching TV here. 
Um, and also, obviously, I'm your co-pilot on the uh, the YouTube series, uh, David Mark Play Pokemon Blue. Uh, one of the things I'm amazed that 20 years later they still haven't done is, why do we have to like leave that menu on the PC between withdrawing and depositing Pokemon? Yeah. Why do I have to finish depositing my Pokemon, back out, go into the separate withdraw Pokemon function? Why can't I just drag and drop? There's a touch screen. Yeah. There's two screens. It's really easy to do it if they wanted to. Fuck, it would have been easy on the Game Boy Advance to do it. Yeah. All you have to do is be able to select the Pokemon. And to be fair, like that's the only thing that they haven't got because you've got you can drag and drop with uh within withdraw Yeah, to take them out. Yeah, or, or to you put them back even, in, but you can't do both on the same yeah, screen. Or you can select the option where you can highlight a whole bunch of Pokemon at once to move them across. Yeah. So they give you that. But yeah, that one thing you yeah, can't That's maddening to yeah. me that they still don't do that. But uh yeah, in terms of the stuff that's frustrating us, I think we'll uh we'll kind of uh let people check us out on YouTube there with our new uh, trendy cover art and thumbnails. I do feel like I'm coming in at the other side. I mean, I have started playing, started playing something else, and this is segue into. Yes, you've been. It's hard to believe, listeners, uh, having if you've gotten this far, uh, that Marcus had time to play anything else. But uh, what else have you been playing? Again, when you're unemployed, you have all the time in the world. Uh, Broforce. Now I uh, PS Plus game this month. Yeah, along with Delta's Delta Z. Is that what it? Galaxy. Galaxy, Galaxy, and something else. Um, I played Broforce, like, when that first came around as um, a, like, a small kind of project that the, the team were working on. And it was just, like, kind of up to play on the internet, just kind of give it a go, see what you think of it. And I really enjoyed it, because it's self-aware in how dumb it is. Um, basically, it, it kind of plays a little bit between kind of Mercenary Kings, uh, Metal Slug... And it even has a little bit of... Super nice. Meat Boy. Um, I'm not going to say Super Meat Boy. The way you were hopping up and down the walls there, and very similar to when I watched you through tears in my eyes. <laughs> I guess there's a little bit of that. There's, I'm trying to think even... No, not Terraria. Because it has like destructible environments. So mm. I guess I'll go with Terraria because it's the first thing off the top of my head. Um, and you play as uh, a number of different 80s and 90s action heroes who have... Bro puns as bro their puns. So you Rambro, Rambro, Bronan the Barbarian, Robocop, and so on. Yeah. And so each of these uh, characters have their own different abilities, and they have a weapon that's kind of suited to what their character is. Yeah, so, like the the version of uh, Will Smith from Men in Black has that little noisy cricket gun. Indiana, yeah. Indiana Brones has the whip. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Broana. Yeah, and they have like a second ability that um, you can only do so many times unless you pick up more ammo. And so there is like a little bit of a tactical element to it, unlike in Metal Slug, where it's you pick whatever character and you just go from left to right, blow everything along the way. Here, if you have, um, say, uh, Brode or Braid, I can't remember what they went with. I'm presuming it's Broad instead of Blade, Wesley Snipes. Uh, good first film, te- terrible second and third. You know you're going in for kind of close combat and you have to kind of really play it careful. But if you've got someone like uh, the Terminator who has a chain gun, you can basically just fucking... But you don't get to pick. You don't get to pick. No, this is the thing. Um, when you start level, you are given a character and you have your bros that you can save throughout the level. Uh, and when you save one of them, you turn into another character. But at not... random. You At random. Mm. Um, and I kind of like that it puts a bit of a fun element into it there you have to adapt on the fly like. yeah because otherwise you will end up finding your one or two characters that work for you and, then and you're just going to spam out that and you're never going to get to discover that Snake yeah. Broskin is there exactly exactly and it's for a PS Plus game like I can not recommend it enough um, I'm about 60% of the way through I've put a few hours into it there's a uh, pretty decent difficulty curve like it starts off 
kind of introduces you fine. And then it takes a really weird turn that I've uh, just kind of recently been introduced to, which I won't spoil for you. But it's uh, it, it's something I've really enjoyed. Uh, it is multiplayer. I do want to get you boys in at some point to kind of mm-hmm. see how that Catch plays. Up. I am surprised that the the the, the frame rate, the, the the speed of the game, like at points, really kind of chugs to a halt. And I find it interesting because it's a game that like it knows what it's doing. Like the developers going in kind of. The amount of shit that goes on it on the screen at any given time, it is very surprising that they allow the the speed of the game to slow down, to grind, to a halt in the way it does at certain points. But it's not game breaking, um, and I guess in some way it kind of adds to the overall chaos of what's going on at certain points when there's a million explosions going on. So yeah, it's I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's what I played a couple of years ago, they've just expanded on with more levels and, and more characters. Uh, and yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. 2D cool. retro blasty goodness. Good times. Brian, playing this week? Some games. Some games. Would you yeah. care to elaborate on that? Suppose I might, yeah. Yeah. Would you be well, tempted? It'd be the done thing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, let's see. Uh, <coughs> this week. I've played so far about 90 minutes to 2 hours of Far Cry Primal. How's that? It's good. This it's, is something I've been curious about. It's super pretty. Yeah. Like, it's possibly the prettiest one yet, mm-hmm. but in a very specific kind of way because the visuals are very different from, say, Far Cry... What was the last one? Four, where you're up in the mountains and you've got the broad open vistas. Here, there are mountains. You can see mountains and shit like that, but it's it's prehistoric times. So mm. everything's very jungly, very overgrown, very caves and dark and much more claustrophobic. very caves. Very caves, yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing a t-shirt horny talk and very caves on the back <laughs> um, what's the other one jiggly sand <laughs> that, jiggly was, that was the other Brianism <laughs> forgotten that one uh, but yeah um, it's much more overgrown kind of word like you know you, there's no long views out across the plains to see off in the distance or anything like that you know or you know way like when you were going hunting in Far Cry 4 and you'd or in even Far Cry 3, you get up onto a bit of a hill and you'd look down and you're going to see down below you and tag in dudes and they're like, nope, none of that shit. You have your hunter vision, but it's like, as opposed to binoculars, was much shorter ranged. Um, what else about it? Super pretty. Um, it's very immersive kind of atmospheric, the gameplay is. Because there's a lot that's very similar to the Far Cry we know. Like, I've kind of written it down here. It's, kind of, it's the same Far Cry strategy overall. But you've got to come up with new tactics yeah. because of the new weapons. Mm. The fact that you're a caveman with spears and clubs and bow and arrow. Bow and yeah. arrow is exactly the same as it was in all the Not, No assault rifles. But there's no assault launchers. rifles or grenade launchers. And <coughs> it's a much more, that's what makes it, I think, more immersive and more intense than when you're going for the kill. Like, I mean, I hooked down some guys with bow and arrows and that, like, but you've got a limited amount, like, early on, like, because it's the same thing as before, you're hunting for animal skins to upgrade your stuff and that. Mm. But, like, some of them are going to require you to interact with other characters to give you the option to upgrade them that. So, I run around the start taking down some of these uh, cannibal uh, tribesmen coming for your tribe. And, um, yeah, it gets real fucking intense, man. I mean, like, real, like, 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 Dying Light is a good example. Like, you know, the kind of the visceral up in your face where you swing at a zombie and you might hit the shoulder and your camera carooms off and next mm-hmm. thing he's right in your face and shit like that? It's like that a bit. Like, it's real on edge. Um, you don't want to fuck up. Um, let's see what else about it. Woolly mammoths. Woolly mammoths. Woolly mammoths. Pretty they're, cool, they replace your elephants. 
Uh, yeah, they're pretty cool. Does it control exactly the same like being on an elephant? I have not got to that to ride one yet. I want no. to hunt them. Right, which is oh man, hunting them with spirits square crack. Uh, fucking dolls are still there. What? You know those annoying little fucking yappy dog things, the dolls. Oh, the they're fucking attacking constantly. Yeah, they're oh, still there. Dolls. Still I fucking there. Oh. <coughs> um, I mentioned that the gameplay is very immersive and atmospheric because the fucking cutscenes are not. Yeah, uh, I've heard there are annoying subtitles and. No, it's not that it's annoying. Like, uh, one of the early reviews I read for it said, like, <coughs> oh, it's it's so cool that they did that really kind of cool, uh, simplified, grunty language for the cavemen. It feels really real and that, like, and I don't mind having to read the subtitles because, um, like, I watch animes and sub rather and dubbed and that, like. Uh, <coughs> so that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that the caveman language is the dumbest fucking shit I've ever heard in my life. It's them pointing at things and going, <laughs> No, it's 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 that would be all right. I think it's the fact that they try and make to make it sound like words. Ah, <coughs> it's Rafa Uno Obeke Unda Ula. If you were, yeah, if you were to do it, it might sound racist. Like if you're like it, like I just sounded racist right there. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, a dawning realization when I said that. Like I thanks for Thomas right there. Thanks for cutting me off there. Uh, but yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. Um, and of course it is the fertile crescent on the humanity so they are actually all um, people of ethnic origin as we all are yeah. um, but it's just I find it like there's, there's one of the first characters you meet and they're clearly I won't go into detail but they're a trauma survivor your tribe that you're part of has been under attack by other tribal groups and that like and she's been through some shit mm. but like it's it's even if it wasn't a game even if it was just in like modern day human speaking this was a modern day Seth Far Cry game it's really clumsy mm. and like fair play to them for having the stones and going prehistoric on this shit but it's kind of like they've tried to in dumbing down the language to sound pre-language uh, and pre-prehistoric they kind of seem to have dumbed down a lot of how people interact with each other as well now maybe you might argue well they're cavemen you know they're they're what's after like there are clearly Neanderthals knocking around that mm. you have to deal with but like you are what's the next one is this God no Homo erectus I don't know um, <laughs> you're just which are you laughing at Homo erectus <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but like you know it's 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 very the conversations that like dealing with you know watch after it's really like I'm hoping to bump up into a couple of other player uh, named characters soon to see how annoying this continues um, being one final thing on Far Cry would you be because you were talking about the, the pretty environments and stuff like that and the, the differences between Far Cry 4 and Far Cry Final having played it now and maybe not read the article that this came out in this week would you be surprised to learn that the map for Far Cry Primal is actually a reskin of the Far Cry 4 map have they made it look I, significantly different yeah. that that's surprising to you yeah that is they've oh, uh, someone went on Reddit and overlaid the map from Far Cry 4 and it's the same map Pretty see, much. I haven't gotten far enough to see the map yeah. as large, but like when you're down there in it, oh, it's very different. Yeah, that's what they've it's very different. Yeah. yeah. The question I was going to ask um, is, this is a full price release, right? Yeah. And uh, slightly cheaper. Slightly like, cheaper. Uh, it's like fifty something nope. on the store. It is. It's like fifty eight quid. It definitely is. Is that what the I saw it last launched, night? Uh, launched, uh, it's for all PS Plus subscribers. Yeah. Which is pretty much. Uh, when you PS4. say fifty eight quid, you mean euros. Yeah, right. Okay. But normally, like full release games here are seventy. Oh, uh, seventy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So it is like even with fifteen percent off, it would only be sixty five. So it's like slightly cheaper. Okay, fair enough. Because mm. the question I was going to ask is like, does this just feel like an expansion pack? No, because I played Blood Dragon and this is not Blood Dragon. Yeah. No, let, let me just put that to rest right there. I haven't, like, as I said, I've only played about ninety minutes, two hours of it. Yeah. But already, it's unless it turns out the map is a lot smaller yeah. than I think it is. Uh, they're not setting this up to be Blood Dragon. This is not going to be Blood Dragon. Blood Dragon. But would, it, would it be somewhere in between <coughs> Blood Dragon, which is a small DLC, but not quite as big as a numbered Far Cry? Well, that's my, my impression is that it's not as big as a numbered Far Cry. It's from, what, from, what, I, from what I've read, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Is it, like, the thing about Blood Dragon is Blood Dragon wasn't actually that small. Yeah. Like Blood Dragon was more... <coughs> in point and purpose, Blood Dragon was just an excuse to make endless 1980s action movie references yeah and they just they picked what was it just the um the base capture element from far cry 3 and said right we'll take that gameplay element and we'll just build this little like it was literally unless you're going to tell me otherwise i'd be very surprised it literally existed to get michael bean in to do some voice acting as sergeant rex <laughs> power of cold yeah and have some and make some really awful jokes. Yeah, I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah, yes. uh, like this is a whole different thing. Is here. This is a real. Yeah. I like if I had to read it an intent. This is a point prover. This is to say this this is to flop their game. Maybe we to flop their game and dick out on the table and say, look, what we can do. Yeah, we can for, change. This uh, for the sake of moving things on, uh, what else have you been playing this week? Fallout Four. How is Fallout Four going? Give you a brief uh, Fallout Four update. Brief Fallout Four. I'm update. just very conscious that we're approaching half an hour and we haven't even got <coughs> what I've been playing. Oh yeah, you let him talk about Pokemon for ages, like what? I run rush me. I right? may have fallen asleep. <laughs> yeah, uh, <far laughs> coming up to the end of Act Two, the point where I'm going to have to start making choices and alienating factions, so I'm being real wary and just kind of moping around, uh, grinding out radiant quests to raise my affinity with uh, companions because I'm thinking maybe I might waste a few weeks just getting all the companion perks. Because uh, it seems to be much easier this than in previous ones, as in in previous Fallout uh, games, it was possible to lock out and be unable to complete the personal quest for each companion and thereby reach maximum affinity and get their um, full bonuses from them. In this, it's just you have to spend time with them and do things that they like. Yeah. <coughs> what else? Um, yeah, so I've got Piper so far and 50 70 films of Curie, which is actually a really interesting kind of story. Trying to still decide if it's worth going for all of them. It's quite a few companions in the game. Um, bum, bum, bum. What else? Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Picked it up on the Chief on one of the store. The this sales. was not this, not the current Call of Duty. <coughs> this was the, the Kevin Spacey. The Kevin Spacey Call of Duty. Kevin Spacey Call of Duty. Call of Spacey. Yeah, Call of Spacey. For which I will make the point. House of Cards, an interactive how video game much, experience. How much did they pay Kevin Spacey, but yet they couldn't spare a few shekels to have someone in to write something decent for him to say? <laughs> oh my God. Like, I mean, it's it's beneath Kevin Spacey phoning in it. Like, he doesn't even know what's to be phoning in. Where is it relative to K-Pax? It's on a level with K-Pax? The shipping news is better. Oh. Ordinary decent criminal is better. Yeah, well, obviously. Yeah, that, well, that's a romp. But, like, but, a but, ser- but seriously, it's like he. It's just meaningless bullshit. Like, I mean, it's bad dialogue for the Call of Duty series. Yeah. And this is when they paid this how much money to get Kevin fucking Spacey mm. in. Imagine it not much worse Black Ops 3 then is without having Kevin Spacey oh. and having that kind of dialogue. Uh, you've also played, Brian, and I think I meant to play for a stream this week, but uh, you've saved me some time here. You've played the Uncharted 4 multiplayer beta. Which has also saved Mark having to watch me because Mark has been expressing on Twitter this week his distaste for the concept of Uncharted, or at least uh, disinterest. Yeah, I might soon be in the same camp as him. 
Well, I, I, I think it, it, it bears pointing out as well that the multiplayer experience is massively different from the main player in terms of how it controls and the substance of it. It definitely is, Brian, because I played the multiplayer on Uncharted I'm 3. I'm just going to say, from my experience of playing, like, I've only played the first one. Yeah. But the combat is pretty much identical. But, yeah, like, I mean, to the I know first you, one. I know you were talking about, like, yeah. you know, ooh, mystical grenades and things like that, mystical yeah. powers and stuff like that. Yeah, all that stuff's in there. But the running and jumping and shooting... But, yeah, even how the game moves on the Uncharted multiplayer mm. is way different. It just seems, and I didn't play it, but the, the concept of having an Uncharted multiplayer seems as irrelevant as having an... Uh, multiplayer in Tomb Raider or yeah. Last of Us because Naughty Dog that as well they had multiplayer yeah. in Last of Us I don't even remember totally boring yeah, like. yeah. Uh, some people really like it um, apparently like, that multiplayer and, and uh, like I'm not trying to diss it but apparently like Last of Us the last thing I'm looking for when I play that game is oh god I'd love to play this multiplayer yeah. <laughs> um, I'd love it if a 12 year old was calling me some sort of awful name that I hadn't even heard until I, that I point I'd really like to be taken out of this immersive experience yeah this um, emotional story I would say there was a couple of in the multiplayer there was a couple of cute little um, things that were unique I hadn't seen in multiplayers before mm. in terms of like in some games where you have like uh, you have your kill streak perks and that like in this you appear to amass cash by doing stuff in the multiplayer, getting kills and that, and then you spend it on your perk or kill streak package and call in a support soldier, AI soldier to support you or get access to your special weapon. This doesn't sound like an Uncharted game. Yeah, so it's that's what I mean. Like they may as well be two completely oh, different games, totally different Mark. Uncharted, how they yeah. handle, how they feel, and how they play like are entirely fucking different. It's so weird. Yeah. It's so weird. But at the same time. Uncharted 3 multiplayer had this like this fan base that was rabid for it like if you it look back me. if you look back Naughty Dog did so many like DLC updates for the just the multiplayer it's incredible like, it did reminds not appeal me of, to me at the time with Uncharted 3 that, that I played it reminds me of the Far Cry 2 multiplayer which apparently as well had a fairly rabid fan base because they had a map editor in it yeah and people went monkey nuts for that yeah um, so we move on anyway uh, things I've been playing this week um, the only one that's uh, kind of well the one I've been playing most substantially on my own uh, I'm still playing Dying Light yeah so yeah. this game came out 14 months ago and I'm still playing it and it's my second playthrough of the main game which I think is a real testament to the quality of it because in the kind of the day and age we're in where there's something new being thrown at us every couple of weeks um, the fact that I'm going back to a game that's over a year old is like it's, so it's, it's, it's a good testament you're still so bad at it well I've been watching you play and so this is my first time really getting a feel for the game yeah and um, I mean I'm not going to play it because I'm a self-certified bitch when it comes to anything of this ilk any, any scary scary jump times yeah me and Brian holding each other I can't wait till we all do Silent Hill yeah, I, I manned up and played Until Dawn I'd rather you than me Until Dawn um, See there's a difference between like Listen Mr. Nerves of Steel Go no, fuck yourself No but there, there is a difference between like Because Until Dawn we knew was like Slasher movie horror So like with the exception of a couple of things Where like it kind of wigged you out Rather than jump scaring you You weren't really There was, there was maybe one or two occasions Where you shrieked at something because you got scared Whereas like 
dying light is you're that feeling state of yeah because everyone's chasing you yeah like that's the thing it's like the, you're never the, it never lets up it's when the, you're outside a safe zone it never lets up and it only gets worse at night it's the thing that Teclan did with uh, Dead Island as well I got to a point where I was what about two thirds three quarters away from Dead Island mm. I got to a point where uh, I was doing my thing where I don't like to progress with the main plot or story or quest until I gotta do some of the other stuff around it yeah. make sure I'm nice and leveled up got some gear and that RPG Wonderkin yeah and um, I was kind of the old of the old like I w- in Dead Island had all of your uh, auto quests ranked by you know difficulty easy medium hard and that like um, the only medium one I had left I had no hard and I got a couple of very hard the only medium one I had left was some dude wanting to go out into the zombie infested city at the city at this point and put up missing posters for his missing wife yeah. and I was just like no no yeah. it's dangerous out there I'm not the going outside like, there and, to do that and by all accounts or at least by most accounts the Dying Light is finally like the, the, the game Techland wanted to make when they ended up making Dead Island it's like they figured out how to do the game now and like it was a real sleeper hit last year when it came out because people weren't expecting much for it because they were like well Dead Island was a game that looked really cool when it was coming out and I know you like Dead Island a lot Brian and I'm not trying to like diminish that by any stretch of the imagination, but no broadly speaking, no everyone it, it went down like a fart in church. Like it was just incredibly disappointing to everybody, uh, or most people, should I say? Um, apart from like people who were having wacky fun with the multiplayer on yeah. it, where things I were very what, silly. I tell you, dying light does feel like it feels like 28 days later. The game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that. Yeah. Um, but I thought I'm scared to show. The city has character. Like Haran has character. Um, it's very much alive and dead at the same time. <coughs> um, it's still one of the most visually stunning games on current gen consoles. Like it looks brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the reason that I've uh, I've really thrust myself back into it is because we did on our YouTube channel again. We did uh, a playthrough of the start of the following DLC, and it turns out I wasn't nearly leveled up enough because I had restarted my mm. main game when I got the new hard drive in my PS4 because I didn't migrate the save over. But um. Suffice to say, it, like, it's a very, very good game. Um, the Game of the Year edition with the following bundled in with it is available on the store now. Um, I reckon that's one to pick up. Like this, There's a few games coming out in the next month or two, so maybe this is something to put on the list for the summer drought mm. of games. Uh, play away then. It's fucking brilliant. I, I really love it. Um, as far as something with kind of RPG elements to go with crafting and with leveling up and stuff like that, it's very tolerable to me as someone who doesn't normally engage with that with the exception of this and The Witcher pretty much is uh, mm. the level at which I engage with those kind of elements in games. Um, it's really fun once you get like it feels weird at first because it's first person so it feels very claustrophobic. It feels very kind of almost almost motion sickness when you see me do the parkour and stuff like yeah. that. Like it can be very difficult to figure out how to do that shit at first. Mm. But once you've played it for a couple of hours straight, it's like, okay, I get it now. And it becomes easier. And especially once you start. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like Dead Island, I got to about two thirds, three quarters of the before I didn't want to go outside because it was too dangerous. Yeah. Starting this game, I don't want to go outside because it's too dangerous. Yeah, this it already starts off. It's way too dangerous because like you watched me when I tried to jump back into it and I wasn't leveled up enough and I was getting killed to bits all the time. Because at the start, and I've said this before when we did it as a book club feature, is that it's a game where you have to fight smart, and sometimes the smart thing to do is to run away, not to stand there and try and crack every zombie in the head with something. Because sometimes you just aren't strong enough, or your weapon isn't strong enough to take them down. So um, when Mark watched me try to play it, I was getting killed to bits and couldn't figure out why, but it was because I hadn't really played through much of the game, I hadn't gotten leveled up enough. 
Um, and once I did, now you've seen me play it again this week, and I'm not necessarily cruising through the game, but I'm finding it a lot easier. You're making progression. Yeah, there's significant progression. Like I'm, I'm starting to unlock the skill tree and stuff like that. But uh, that's Dying Light anyway. Um, I've played a couple of betas this week with Mark by my side for streams for YouTube. Um, the Hitman beta. That Very was, much beta by name. It beta was by a beta-ass beta, Brian. Gee. The first hint that this was a beta-ass beta was the first time, which isn't the, the playthrough that got to YouTube. The playthrough where um, it started off and went, oh, there's a cutscene here where the speech is massively out of sync. Like, by a couple of seconds with the character's mouth moving. And it's kind of uh, chugging like a fucker. Because what it's trying to do is it's playing the cutscene. And you can see based on the logo on the bottom is that it's trying to load in the next environment at the same time. And for some reason, the PS4 was having a conniption doing that. And it does warn you, they wrote basically an open letter to you at the start of the game when you do it. It's like, this is a beta. Like, it's not the... It's not the kind of the beta some games do where the game's ready, but we're just trying to get you a little bit excited. The game's ready. This game is not ready, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) This game needs some significant polish. The lip syncing is like, are you sure this game doesn't need like a can of petrol and a couple of matches? Because this is the game that you had pre-ordered and then they said, actually, no way, we're going to make it episodic. You said, nope, no, thank you. That said, when it was working, we were having a lot of fun with it. Well, you were. Yeah. I was having fun waiting to see when it was going to next gonna break. Yeah. I could see you holding the control like, come on, just let me do this next bit. Next yeah, bit. because like it was, there was some good stuff. Like it was all, uh, one of the things that's great is like it's all set up in a training facility for this opening mission. And it's like, if you look up, you can see that it's inside in a massive kind of silo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they, they have like set dressing up for this like uh, regatta, this like this party on a luxury cruise liner and stuff like this. So you have to you have to sneak on and you have to uh, like kill some guy that's on this this drug lord. You a hitman. No and way. all your but all your your weapons are really because like it's a training simulation, so no one's gonna really die and stuff like that. But at the same time, Mark Mark pointed the problem with that is that one of the options when you've taken down somebody is to press triangle and snap their neck. <laughs> so is that like a staged neck or something like that? But uh, no, I like I, I had a lot of fun with buggy as fuck. So uh, glad I don't have my pre order down because if it's a broken mess when it comes out. I haven't lost any money. But if it comes out and it's good, I would still very much consider buying it because I was having a good bit of fun. Well, the thing there is, was some silliness involved. Like. The, the thing that concerns me at this point is I think it was its intended release was going to be in February. And I think this no, was, December. December. December oh, yeah, 10th yeah. was the original release date. Um, I think that was before they announced that it was going to be episodic content. It was going to be... What it was going to be was it was going to be a core game for $50. Yeah. And then they were going to add some mission packs. But since then is basically they've reduced the core. They've kind of like split up the core into those subsequent mission packs. So you're going to get a basic couple of mission packs. Where it's going to be like, and I said uh, on the playthrough on YouTube that this is kind of one of those games. It actually, when you think about how the life of this hitman is structured, it's one of the least tenuous kind of ways to divide things up because it makes sense that he would get dossiers every now and then, but here's your new profile with a bunch of targets. Go get them. It kind of, the narrative makes sense is what I mean. Not, I'm not for one second. You mean the lack of a narrative makes sense. But yeah, but like, the, the, splitting it up into episodes kind of makes sense from a story point of view. And I know that they're just that doing it for, I know they're just doing it for a money grabbing thing, but it's not like they're going to go, right, okay, you finish this and it's a complete cliffhanger. And stuff like that. I was like, why the fuck did they split it there? 
You know what I mean? It actually kind of makes sense a little bit when you think about it like that. That said, I'm still yeah, we'll not in favour of the thing. Just give me the fucking game square. Look, all I know from that beta is that in that cutscene where he was talking, it looked like someone was trying to translate Japanese into English but were using Latin. It's basically that scene in Wayne's World 2 where Mike yeah. Myers is speaking, uh, is dubbing himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the, the glitch that we properly ran into in the first playthrough is for some reason you walked up to a guard and he was doing nothing but walking up to the guard and I think just before he got over to him to stealthily uh, take him out by way of smacking him around the head with a wrench all of a sudden there's noise yeah so, <laughs> uh, it's like <laughs> it's like you farted no it's like this, the, the, game, the game called part of the sound of uh, an alarm or something or just a particular sound and just sound. call it in like a half second loop yeah so it, it sounded like a fire alarm going off constantly. <laughs> and so you would play about five or six seconds of the game and then you would stop, it would freeze. And then the sound would change to whatever is the current sound at that particular moment in time. And this went on loop about f- for about three minutes until we turned it off. Yeah, and that was our first. We didn't upload that to YouTube in the end. We uploaded the one where it, it kind of worked. The cutscene was still... The cutscene was still glitchy. But other than that, it, it played through to the end. Yeah. Um, and so with that beta basically you have that one mission but you have different ways you can go about assassinating the target so it looks interesting to see the different ways you can do it yeah um it just it looks far from finished yeah and then uh finally um i'll, I'll skip the, the last one i have written down here but finally something i want to talk about because it's released next week and myself and brian and mark watched me play it uh the t-clans your boy our, our boy t-clans uh the division beta came out last week and the beta was so good that it has convinced myself and Brian to pre-order the game in the same way as the beta for Battlefront Star Wars in space shit um, convinced me not (laughs) to buy that game Uh, this convinced me I should absolutely buy this game tell me why so say very very briefly there's RPG elements in it. So that's, much that's RPG elements. In. There is the coolest min- in-game mini-map oh, in yeah. the history of it's the world. Really... Minority Report style shit. Um, the gun combat is brilliant. It's gorgeous. Oh, it's it so beautiful. It looks unbelievably good. Um, for something where there were players online all the time in my game, there didn't seem to be any lagging, any issues at all with nope. the servers. Now, once it goes live on Tuesday... It could be a hot piping mess for all I know. Oh, that thing will be on fire. Yeah. It, oh, shit always is, right? Um, the shooting mechanics well. feel tight. They feel responsive. Um, I'm invested in the world a little bit. I kind of want to see what happened to what everything. Happened? And, Who are the division? Yeah. How did I get into the division? I want to see kind of where it goes. Pace and I'm happy. One of the things that made me happy about this game is that originally there was a considerable, there was a concern that pretty much 95% of the game was going to be just online. Mm-hmm. Just an open sandbox, and there's going to be no real story to it. But it seems now that there is substantial story to the game that we're going to be able to play through. And there's just a sector in the city where there's all the this mayhem up. going on with uh, people shooting each other. Now, did you play Destiny when it first came out? No. Nope. Did you? <sighs> no, when it first came out. No, I got the Taken King. You got the uh, Taken King. Because uh, uh, what I'm really intrigued to see is um, the response to everyone because the, the comparisons to Destiny are going to be there it's just, it yeah. looks so much better than Destiny well they're the, ones that, got, even... they're the ones that got in trouble this week uh, the division for parsing a quote yes. about blowing Destiny out of the water yes I did see it. yeah there's been a whole see that rigmarole about that and moment. it was just about the numbers that were in the beta wasn't it yeah it was like best franchise um, when it was like best new kind of franchise whatever back in 2013 yeah I, I read about that that was good fun 
But like everyone's going to make the comparison, and the key thing I will be interested to see is how much more of a game this is at launch than what Destiny was. At well, launch. I put, I put well like Destiny this, was barely a game. Destiny I, took a year, a year and two well, months. Well, I mean, I'll, a game. Like, I'll make a, just a point here. Did you go into the Dark Zone? What? Did you go into the Dark Zone on the beta? No, I, I played. I played. If everyone goes on to, I feel like I'm plugging YouTube constantly here. If everyone goes on and checks our playthrough on YouTube, I played all the way to pretty much the end of that mission. Uh, where you end up on the rooftop in that massive shootout, which is like the second mission, because there's the first mission which gets you to your headquarters, and then there's a the second mission after that where you go through this big building. It's when you're getting the medic. It's when you it? get the medic. Yeah. yeah. So I'm on top of the building at that shootout, and I glitched into a wall, right? Um, which is the only performance issue I had in that whole um playing the beta, and I stopped there because I was like, right, I've played enough now that I want the game. And I don't want to play so much that I'm going to be annoyed when my progress gets wiped and I have to start again. I don't want to see any more. I've seen enough to know that I want the game. I put it like this. I played that mission. I finished that mission. And then I did the next one where you go and get the engineer for your base. And then I went around and did a couple of side quests and, and picking up loot and resources around the place. And I didn't go into the PvP zone because it was the end of the weekend I had to go back to work. And I didn't realise it was only open for the weekend. Yeah. But at the same time, I played what was basically the scripted single player not online stuff yeah and I had a whale of a time I didn't feel whereas, like it yeah, was whereas with Destiny I believe at the beginning it was pretty much like you needed that online stuff to beef it out well, but like this, when I played the start of Destiny when I did buy it I liked the fact that we were saying at the time like I liked the whole the setting the area and that and then I got mm. into the area and there was like there's nothing there there's about there's about three other guys who just who arrived in with me and I was because I was figuring out like oh I'm going to need help for doing this bit three other guys spawned in with me and I was like oh these guys probably will, will help me like in just like a normal multiplayer battlefield call kind of way we're on a squad together and nope they just stayed in the main area uh, hopping around for level 40 somethings grinding killing level 1 dudes and I was kind of like alright Fuck yes. <laughs> uh, and it was bare bones and shit, like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it feels bare bones, whereas, like, the division where I was able to pop randomly into a house, root through the covers, and come out with a pair of jeans and a new pair of shoes for myself, mm. you know, uh, and an assault rifle. Uh, great, great time, like. Yeah, I like so it. we're sold, anyway, oh, you yeah. and I. And did you enjoy watching it, Mark, from your point of view? I did. Like, it's going for the big online multiplayer market, which is not my. But it doesn't mm. feel that way. Playing but that, that, that's the thing. I, if my understanding is once you stay outside of the dark zone, there's very limited interaction with that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, like, it, and it, I probably broadly will stay out of the dark zone, yeah. except for when, like, I feel like, you know, well, maybe I'll dip in here for a while or there's something important that I need to go through the dark zone. Yeah, and, like, I haven't played uh, an over-the-top shooter since that real game for real men. Oh, with, was. yeah. With real guns. guns. Yeah. Uh, so like it's something that I could see myself coming to I'm not I'm not like 100% sold that I would want to buy it but uh, maybe kind of six months down the line yeah um, I could see myself at least kind of tip, dipping my toes into the walls mm. uh, yeah so like I, I'll be getting that and hopefully by the podcast next week uh, we'll have um, a video up uh, with a bit of a review as we're talking about it and um We'll talk about it more in depth on the podcast next week once we've actually played the game because it's out on, we're recording this Tuesday. on a Sunday and it's out on Tuesday. Um, so, that's the news done. Uh, on to the mailbag. Uh, just one mailbag uh, issue to address this week. There's been a couple of emails, a couple of messages in uh, regarding the old shows. Uh, so there were three shows uh, in our canon that are missing from our iTunes feed, missing from our RSS feed on SoundCloud. 
And we have gone and found those off Mark's laptop. Those being the Mega Man episode. And Mega the, Man! And the pre and post E3 2015 shows. Those are all up now on linktothecast.wordpress.com. I have not included them in the RSS feed for iTunes as I was uh, emailing back a couple of uh, listeners during the week. Uh, just letting them know that what we're going to do is I didn't want to put three podcasts at once, all of them being old podcasts into the iTunes feed because I get annoyed when podcasts do that to me when I have to download a bunch of them and it chokes my iTunes feed and I end up with three podcasts I didn't necessarily want to listen to on my iPod, right? Um, so what I'm going to do is during periods during which kind of we're not able to record for more than a week at a time, I might like start slipping them back into the RSS feed then so we have them all complete in the iTunes feed then. Uh, like I'm thinking particularly when yourself and myself, Mark, we're taking a trip at the end of the month yeah. and I'm thinking one of those might go up then. Yeah. Someone trusted it to me to put it up. Well, no, all I'd have to do is go into SoundCloud and hit a button and it'll go into the RSS feed. I can do it from my phone, like, it's that easy. But, um, <laughs> don't worry, Brian is just sweating, <laughs> blinding. But, uh, yeah, just to kind of uh, give an update on that, the old shows are up now. You can listen to them on, on SoundCloud. We have an article up about them. You can check them out there. Uh, they're just not on the RSS feed that goes straight into iTunes yet. Uh, and I should also point out, I am in the process yes. of website update and YouTube update. Taking all of the book club parts of our podcast we've done up until this point. Uh, the book club editions, which are usually between like 10 to 20 minutes um, at the end of the shows that we do, I'm going to start uploading them to, to YouTube. Um, so people can kind of just go back and listen to them. Just in the check those out. If you don't want to listen to the full show, but you yeah. want to listen to just what was the classic game we covered that week, you can head over to YouTube, check it out. Please do still give us a like and subscribe over here because we love those five-star ratings. We really appreciate them. Yeah, we do. Helps yeah. with our search engine optimization. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard. Uh, right, let's do a news. News scoops. Da, 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 da. News on the mark. In the news these last two weeks, we've got a substantial amount of stories to get through this week, gentlemen. Let's so, crack uh, on. Let's crack on. Some significant work here. Nintendo is leaking like the fucking Titanic, gentlemen. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you caught up with any of this, Brian. Myself and uh, Mark, being massive uh, Nintendo heads, have seen this. Uh, ridiculous amount of details about Nintendo's next console, codename NX. So it's not going to be a car. Have leaked this week, no. Well, not this week. It was last week, wasn't it, Mark? Yeah. So numerous things came out about this, and it is uh, it came out. Was it NeoGaf? It came out on oh some fucking forum. Or something. Let's just assume NeoGaf for now. TMZ. NeoGaf read it. One of TMZ. those <laughs> TMZ. Yeah. It's on Perez Hilton. Um, <laughs> so there's significant amount of information that's coming out, and it is from what people say is a reputable source. A this is someone. Source, yeah. This is someone who has been right before yeah. about these kind of things. So some of the details are quite interesting here. I'm going to rattle them off here and see what you guys think. The NX will feature a HDMI dongle that can plug into... The, by the way, because this is to, um, to give a bit of backstory to Brian, who looks very confused, and anybody who's listening to this who might be I understand confused. the words HDMI. The idea the behind the dongle. NX project, um, at least people's interpretation of it is is that Nintendo is working on something that has the power of a home console but is portable like a DS right <laughs> you are so lost right now but the idea that I you just... can pick up something as powerful as a current gen console but you can also port like carry it around like you but can with a DS is it going to have its own screen or is this it is the thing right? I'm going to get to what we know about it so far right just 
The NX will feature a HDMI dongle that can plug into any HDMI port. The NX will use a more advanced version of the streaming technology in the Wii U. And I will say, of all the things people like people do routinely give out about the Wii U, one thing I can't fault on is that streaming technology from the gamepad to the console is actually pretty great. Oh yeah. Like I have never experienced an issue with it. Like unless I go up the stairs and to the back of the house that far away from it to be fair and even then sometimes to be fair the only reason that's as good as it is is that the distance you're allowed to go between um, the, the kind of the console and with your gamepad isn't particularly far anyway mm, so yeah, yeah. Uh, the analog sticks have full haptic feedback so if for instance you hit a wall in the game you may feel some resistance from the stick back in the other direction uh, it can bluetooth sync to any device allowing you to answer phone calls or respond to text through the fucking console <laughs> It'll be comparable in power to the Xbox One and thus far has proven extremely easy to develop games for. That is a fucking crucial one because one of the things that has run people off the Wii U is the fact that third parties just hate developing for it. It's impossible and people hate having to figure out functionality for the gamepad, things like that. So by the sounds of it, the feedback from developers because apparently about a year ago was it that the news broke that developer kits, dev kits for the NX were coming out. Yeah, yeah. Probably. So this is this is probably the first round of feedback a year into a development cycle on a game and people are saying it's responsive, it's good, they actually, they like developing for the NX. Brian, you have your hand up. So am I to gather that the NX, because I haven't been paying close attention because... Yeah. Like, no offense to you guys, I know you love I couldn't give a fucking fuck about Nintendo. Yeah. You're on a DS, right? Yeah, but that's for Pokemon, that's different. Um, Continue. You, you <laughs> cut the legs out from me. You're my poor man, fuck you, right? But I want you to understand basically that the NX is not what I presume to be just the next succession on from the Wii U, but rather it's going to be the next succession on from the 3DS and the Wii U. As in, we're going it's to trying to bring together a kind of uh, well, at to least, have a handheld again, with the power. Again, of I need to stress at this point that there is literally no confirmation that this even exists from Nintendo. Yeah, but this is all leaks from relatively reputable sources that this is at least what they're looking at doing, and we're probably going to find out pretty soon if other leaks are to be believed that it is going to launch this year. And their launch title is going to be uh, Half Life Three. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Half Life Three confirmed. The thing that has me interested though um, is if this is all reputable. And legit, and there are there is news coming out that third party developers are on board with this. Is that I would think that that means that whatever this console is, is whatever kind of gimmickry gimmickry nonsense that Nintendo have done with the Wii and the Wii U is for the most part kind of out the window. Yeah, that they've got their game face on now. Yeah. Yeah, they and they're actually they have, to, for, have to play with for, everybody else in this playground. And like all this, all, all this list, and there's still a couple of bits to go that I have to read out. But like all this list so far is telling me is not so much like Sony have nothing to worry about from this. But given their market share, I think Microsoft are going to be looking at this going, oh, <laughs> well, know, like, yeah. well, like, this is interesting, I, I, and maybe it suits them that they're. We'll talk about a different approach that Microsoft is starting to take now. It might suit them that they're heading more that way. Mm-hmm. Because if Nintendo, if they pull off the things we're hearing here, this is like the incredible moonshot. This is like... But am, am I it, hearing this correctly? I, am I hearing you tell me about the potential for Nendo, Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo to be releasing a handheld that I could play Arkham Knight on? Equivalent, yeah, that'd be power, as powerful as an Xbox. No, 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 no. I don't mean that it's the equivalent of something I can play Arkham Knight. I mean, are you telling me that? Yeah, but like presumably... Arkham Knight would be a dated game by then. I think like you'd be able to play a graphical equivalent. You'd be able to play like by the sounds of it, it has it uh, is as powerful as the Xbox One. So, like, would I presumably then be able to, you know, pick you up could my play, like, say, say the best example because we're if we're talking about uh, 
Xbox One, you could play Rise of the Tomb Raider. Something so that looks I, that I could hop like, on the bus and play Rise of the Tomb Raider. That's that seems to be what I'm not they're at least aiming for. Part. Now, whether it is kind of scaled down a little, maybe from 1080p to 720 or 60 to 30 frames a second for when you're porting it, and then it kind of upscales then when it's connected in at home. That may be what it is. So you're playing something that doesn't have quite the same field of view that it scales itself back. I don't know. Again, this is all speculation on something that Nintendo haven't even said for sure exists. Do you know what I mean? Like, they've said that there is a Project NX, yeah. but literally no other details about that. It's definitely going to be a character. Um, it will have social it's features. It's a call of it will have so- It will have social features that uh, expand beyond existing AR multiplayer and Street Pass applications. Pokemon Go that we saw that trailer for a few months ago will serve as a good example for what NX will do with social gaming. It's designed to be very easy to use and looks like a cross between a Nintendo console and Samsung hardware. Which is like a great melding of things I enjoy because I'm a fan of my uh, my Samsung products as you can see by the, the televisions in our house on my phone and, very, and very my tablet. And our microwave. <laughs> yeah. And our fridge. Yeah. Um... Again, it's worth em- emphasising that none of this should be taken as confirmation of what NX would be like. It's all rumoured at this point. At the same time, none of it sounds particularly far-fetched. Uh, we've also got the idea that um, Zelda, the next Zelda game that we've seen bits and pieces of, is going to be a launch title for NX. Or it might just be one that straddles like Twilight Princess. It's be Twilight Princess. Yeah, where it comes out on both and it's just going to be much better on one than the other. Yeah. Or except, at least look much better. Except this time, I could see it being the other much way around where I would want to play on the NX and not on the Yeah, Wii. yeah. Last time it was better on the GameCube, wasn't it? Yeah, purely just for the controls. Yeah, and uh, it switched his hand, didn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the his version, hand. he plays with the sword in his left hand, but obviously... So that's it's all very exciting times. Like it's interesting to actually give a news story if we're excited about something that Nintendo are going to release. That's well, Brian just is confused by this. Yeah, and frankly, if you're going to turn around and tell me that another fucking Zelda game is going to be, like, I realize you two love Zelda. And that, how much Zelda have you played? That's none ever. Yeah, so uh, so no, I'm, not, I'm not critiquing Zelda. So let's yeah. not do the bit where you tell me I'm a fuckhead because I don't. <laughs> no, like I'm not telling you. Okay, I'm just right? no. I'm making the point of saying that if this is a situation where if we're going to take from this, like the point I was making that you could play Rise of the Tomb Raider on this game yeah. is that what I said about Nintendo are deciding that they can't sit in the corner of the playground eating paste anymore. They have yeah. to come and play football with the big boys. Yeah. Why are they going to release another game that where the graphics look might, are the same style of graphics as there has been since Nintendo 64? No, because did you not see any of the Zelda footage? I watched and the two things looked the same to me. Like, I realise I haven't played either of them, so I probably don't get the details, but no, I looked at two things, one which was slightly better picture quality. really doesn't at all, like, if you look at it. Mark? Mark? Which other games are you talking about here? The one that's going on the Wii U, and like, he's referring to Wind Waker. When we were huh? watching the Nintendo uh-huh. thing, the two side-by-side, yeah. they looked the same to me, one with just slightly better no, picture they didn't quality. No, they didn't show the Nintendo for Wii U at all, <coughs> correct? But no, they they haven't shown the Nintendo on Wii U. Games, sorry, by side. Yeah, one of them was from the GameCube. All right. And one of them was for the 3DS. All right, cause Neither of them were the Wii U one. The Wii same. U one was the one from uh, E3 last year. And I would imagine that it's actually quite an achievement for the 3DS to look like something on the GameCube. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, it's going to come out. And then if we kind of talk about, if we want to move into uh, launch games for the NX, a rumour that uh, Nintendo are going to pay Ubi money to develop... Beyond Good and Evil 2 as a potential launch window <coughs> title for the NX. That is a left-field swerve I was not expecting. That said, Bayonetta 2. Yeah, what about it? We already have it. 
But that's what I mean, that Nintendo have done oh, this before. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Nintendo have funded a console exclusive sequel to a cult class a cult favourite. Yeah, but like And Beyond Good and Evil Two is something people have been chomping at the bit for longer. But was was Beyond Good and Evil Two was Beyond Good and Evil, is that that wasn't like a, a system cell or even like a, a heavy No, cell. but it was a like a like Bayonetta, it was a cult thing. Yeah, I don't think Nintendo at this point should be going for the cult audience. Hey, look, like you look at uh, Sony's strategy. Sony are appealing to like gamers rather than the. They are doing both because they're appealing to the Destiny players, the Call of Duty players, but they're also appealing to people like us with some of the decisions they made. Yeah, that's fucking Shenmue. Yeah, no, 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 no. But that's that's both markets. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like Nintendo. Nintendo, it looks like they're appealing back to the third party so they might get them back on board and then at the same time they're going to do cool fan service shit like this. Yeah, we'll see. Like, I, I, I'll tell you, the best thing they can do in this console cycle is to read from Sony's playbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if you look at Beyond Good and Evil, if it is the game, it is the one with Ellen Page, isn't it? No, that's no, Two Souls. That's Beyond Two Souls. Oh, that's so different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Beyond, uh, Good, Beyond uh, Good and Evil is a PS2, like, uh, cool, weird, uh, platforming sort of thing. Nintendo would be not doing a very good idea by going after David Cage no especially, and he's just re- they've just re-released that game on PS4 this week oh Jesus okay. never but, mind oh my god um, in other Nintendo news Mark's life is going to be ruined again this Christmas Pokemon Sun and Moon excited Brian? no? Sun and Moon? you like Pokemon though I like Gen 1 yeah like, I liked I liked someone told me that you yeah, I'm going to be able to trade from Gen 1 to Sun and Moon and then yeah be able to have my Pokemon because like, my problem, my biggest problem probably with all the latter day Pokemon is not even the dross and filler. It's not being able to get the ones you like. It's I don't like I don't know what the fuck a Marie for a mural or a lily pad with a or a whole edge. It's a fair or point. A cleft 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 where, where, where I don't know what the fuck these things are or what they're good for, and they all yeah. look stupid. And they're seven hundred twenty one of the fuckers. And they all speak. look stupid to me, like, and they're looking progressively stupider. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, I want like you saw how happy I was when I booted up Pokemon Red there, and you helped me get sorted with having yeah, all yeah, stars yeah. in my party. That's what I want. Yeah. I mean, literally, if I was to buy Sun and Moon and start that game, the first I would thing you do is trade. Trade myself yeah. a Charmander, a Squirtle, and a Bulbasaur, and fucking get rid of whatever piece of weird shit they lumbered me with at the start. Yeah. I, mean, I have <laughs> I have nothing to say about it at this point because they didn't tell us anything. Yeah. Other than what we had the discussion the other day that we figured Sun and Moon was going to come out, and you said you thought it was going to be kind of around the summer, and I said it would probably be the fall, yeah. and it is the fall. Yeah. Um, but Nancy Reagan's dead. Nancy Reagan's dead. Oh. Yeah. oh. That's a thing. Yeah. Just saying all. Oh. That, that time is when we recorded this nicely. So people can go back and go, oh, this is when they remember. Oh. <laughs> That's where I was. <laughs> That's when I, I found you'll it. always remember where you were when you recorded episode 24 <laughs> Link to the cast. Um, so yeah, Sun and Moon, it's more Pokemon. I mean, it, you'll get eight badges. There'll be a thousand fucking legendary Pokemon. There'll be a bizarre Delta episode. There you go. Yeah. Um, Kirby. I know that guy. Yeah. So we watched Nintendo Direct here on the couch there a few days ago. And one thing, I'll tell you what, if you would guess me, it told me to guess 100 things that I would see in the Nintendo Direct. Gentlemen, if you had said to me one of those would be Kirby in a fucking mech suit, yeah, that would not have been one of the things I put on the list. That would not have been one of my guesses. Well, uh, the mech suit's at the cornerstone of Japanese culture. And of Kirby, apparently, now, because Kirby Panel Robobot is coming in June. Mark, thoughts? Are you a Kirby fan? 
Um, I've... I kind of dip in and out of some Kirby. Yeah, I only briefly played some of the Kirby games of the 90s um, yeah. through nefarious means. Yeah. Um, I played the Rainbow Curse game last year. Yeah, you reviewed it for the site. Yeah, and Fine. it was... Yeah, six out, six out of ten at best. Yeah, it seems that like every so often they have like one like triple deluxe for the 3ds is supposed to be amazing. Yeah, um, Canvas Curse, the one that was before Rainbow Curse, is supposed to be really good as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's like a kind of full, almost full price Wii Wii U game. It was okay at best. Yeah. Um, to be fair, at this point, my favorite thing with Kirby is the Kirby memes that I'm seeing on Twitter, where you see Smash. Kirby. No, you see Kirby like the I think the amiibo items. Um, like Kirby goes up to whoever or something and then swallows it and then like Kirby turns into like a spoon or whatever. <laughs> I haven't seen those. That's yeah, fucking amazing. Amazing. yeah, that's great. Um, um, but yeah, like Kirby's almost kind of like the red-headed stepchild of, of the sort of Nintendo. Yeah, like Kirby and Samus are like the, kind of, the yeah. kicked around ginger stepchildren of yeah. Nintendo that are like kept in a in a cupboard but I never knew I never it's like knew. oh shit we have nothing out in this release window fucking shove Kirby out there shove Kirby out there I didn't realise I didn't realise I needed Kirby in a mech suit I, it's fucking weird the thing is you I got, freaked out about a penguin in a mech suit for Battle Boy I, that, damn right that's you know me and penguins Brian my thoughts of penguins are well documented in this show I got flashbacks fucking love penguins I got flashbacks though because that mech suit looked eerily similar to the mech suit that Mega Man uses in Mega Man X for the Super Nintendo which is a great game by the way so I don't know Kirby meets Mega Man sure why not fucking bring it on and it was one of the uh, Kirby the, Man it was one of the more fun parts of that direct that also featured a lot of that um uh, Metroid Prime Federation Force Spencer, which caused me to say every 5 or 10 seconds when we were watching it why is this so shit it, it's fair to say the second half of that direct conference call it of, went well off a cliff yeah well off a cliff reminded that dancer yeah that as well <laughs> God, I forgot about fucking that. Federation Force like I, I can they're really trying to sell it to us as this kind of oh look this is really unique uh, interesting spin-off of the, the Metroid Without Alien Colonial Marines. But no one asked it's for Met, it. It's Metroid yeah. Colonial Marines. We've yeah. got one that you were both, you kind of piqued your interest in that Nintendo Direct. We've got a new Paper Mario game. Yeah. Uh, that I, involves possibly the most entertaining weapon Brian's ever seen since the uh, Ratchet and Clank gun that shoots discos at people. Which is a great weapon. <laughs> it's, it's a hammer that that it's explodes ha- colour onto things. It's a hammer that uses... It's a paint hammer that brings people back to life. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm a big fan of the Paper Mario series because they. Uh, this is it's actually a, a thing that, that Brian might be interested in because Paper Mario series are RPGs. Yeah. Mm. Um, like I, I'd I say, don't think you're going to be able to stat build Mario though. Like you know, plus two stamina and. Well, well, the thing is, done you know, plumbers overalls with eighteen armor and plus the, two. To you'd be surprised at some of the things that, that those games. The do. thing about the Paper Mario series is, along with the Mario and Luigi series on the DS, is yeah. that they're very self-aware and they're actually very well scripted. Like they're genuinely funny games. Mm. Uh, your boy, your big man Simon Miller, like he's a big fan of the DS series and the Paper Mario series because of those two reasons. Because where your kind of main line. Uh, Mario series is just it's all about the gameplay here it's the gameplay but it's infused with actual kind of dare I say it character development within yeah. the Mario franchise which is mm. not two things that you kind of put together Yeah. so uh, I was a big fan of Super Paper Mario on the Wii um, I love uh, to this day still um, 
seven seven stars on uh, the SNES. Yeah, the first one, and uh, I had, didn't play the Hundred Year Door or the what the hell was the uh, just I think Paper Mario sixty four. I think it was called because that's really really rare. Mm. Um, so they're two that I do want to go back to. But yeah, I'm I'm well on board, and it looks really cool. Star Fox Zero arriving April 21st there was a game that like at the start we were like oh god why are they still doing it on rails in 2016 but by the end we're like yeah I'll play that it looks a lot like just a soup top lilac was yeah and which in some ways I'm like yeah and we already have that it's called Star Fox for the DS Star Fox 64 DS or whatever that unwieldy title was so I'm I wait with bated breath yeah um I don't know, like, I love Lilac Wars. Yeah. Well, I don't do, know if I sure. need to pay 40 quid or whatever yeah. equivalent for... And it's coming out paired with a, like, a... The like fuck a, was that? Like a turret defense kind of fucking thing. Like, Star Fox Guard or something it's all right, called. All right. No, it's where you, uh, it's Slippy has to have his uncle Griffey. Oh, Griffey, that's right. I was trying to think uh, of that when I was writing the notes things. for the I don't show. Know, I don't remember... Look, yeah. I don't really care, I'll be honest. Nintendo are trying to like, leave. It's just Ninte- linked to the... Well, I suppose we do link to the cast, of course, with Nintendo Connection. <laughs> so much Nintendo talk happening. Well, that's... They, they're the only ones that have been fucking doing anything in the two weeks we have off. We report N- on the Nintendo, news, right? Nintendo are doing these things where they're throwing these kind of weird off-branches of their series. And, like, um, Federation Force is just... I don't know making new series. Like, you know? And, like, all right, yeah... What? Kirby in a mech suit is a weird spin-off, but you know yeah. what? It's fucking Kirby in a mech suit, right? Yeah. You tell me anything is in a mech suit, and I'm at least going to pay somewhat attention to it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. That's overly... I have a game changer. Samus in a mech suit. Yeah, done there. But like, I'm still fine with the like you were kind of alluding towards there, Brian. Like, I'm still fine with the using the same characters, but it's just find a new and innovative way to do it. Uh, see that's why like for me in the X why I asked about Arkham Knight is that like if we see a scenario whereby Nintendo hardware is able to play AAA Western like I know like they don't give as much of a shit about the Western market and yeah. they have they co- have well, the Asian market like uh, Nintendo of America are getting very important in that yeah. whole corporate structure well like I just in which the sense of, like, the most obvious way that they can compete on the main stage again with well, if not Sony, then certainly Microsoft is to be able to say, well, right, we have the games that you have, those big Western but AAA titles. That said, I will counter that with that one of the best-selling consoles of all time is the Wii, and they didn't kowtow for that. They yeah. just managed to change the... Didn't they do that on novelty almost entirely? Well, not novelty, but it was the, the motion... They created games people wanted to play for it, though. Yeah. That's the, that's the point. Like, it doesn't matter whether they're first or third party. you just got to be the place that people want to play I games will say on. this. I will say this. If they want to get in with the third-party market... In kind of 2016 and where we are now, yeah. the key thing they need to get sorted out more than anything else is their online functionality. Yeah, the, the online is the big thing. Uh, have fucking voice chat. I mean, I don't care. I won't but no, that. but the, you know what I mean. But, like yeah, for the masses. I, I yeah, uh, that and there was say, but they need an actual kind of like trophy or well, they they are that. apparently working towards that. That's part of this new Nintendo ID thing. Yeah, that that's. I, I would imagine that that part of it is going to launch with NX rather than bother reverse engineering it for the Wii U. Mm. Um, other than again, wait with bated breath on that yeah. one. Uh, SNES games coming to the new 3DS. I don't have one, so I don't care. Yeah, so there are kind oh, of... It, it's launched with uh, Super Mario World and with Earthbound, some classic games. I like it as a whole... Like, again, I own most of these games. 
but I like it as a whole. If you've got a new 3DS, there's been scant fucking reason to have them now, but like, we've got to acknowledge that we are a small part of the player base. People who have been playing games for over 20 years, in yourself and myself's case, Mark. So there are going to be a lot of people who haven't played these games before, oh, yeah. and they yeah. can now pick them up dirt cheap on the brand new console that um, they have. What I do enjoy is uh, usually a couple of days after these games come out, because this happened with the original Metroid when that came out on the, on the 3DS, is uh, I see in the Miiverse, like, and people t- post up tweets um, with just the kids who just don't know, like, the first thing to do is, like, how the fuck do I turn Samus into a ball? How do I get past yeah. these bits? So, yeah. that... Who's this Paul McCartney guy getting a leg up from Kanye? <laughs> but this is, like, this is the this is the thing I got with, like, even myself, going back to when the Mega Man Legacy Collection came out. Yeah. I just started playing it, and I was like, how have I gotten so bad at these games over time? So it's, like, it's, it's interesting... Uh, seeing new people come to real classic games get a bit of gaming history and there's going to be a lot more like Donkey Kong Country is coming Super Mario Kart is coming things like that Um, and I'm sure for those people that have new 3DS's it's good to have at least a reason I will say it does disappoint me it does disappoint me that the only kind of F-Zero I know that we're getting anytime soon is the original F-Zero yeah or you know Fast Racing Neo yeah yeah uh Mario Maker's getting a few updates, getting some new weapons and stuff like that, and most crucially, in terms of level design, they're getting keys and red coins. They now have turned Mario Maker into a puzzle maker or puzzle game. Yeah. Because um, people were like well on their way to making Mario Maker into basically like puzzle levels. Yeah. Um, we've seen Giant Bombs, Dan Riker, and uh, Kotaku's Patrick Lepic playing as Mario Maker Mornings. Yeah. Uh, but now they've really gone full tilt, and hey, it. it Opens up the horizons for more ways to create very interesting levels. Yeah, you're so close. You want you want to talk about disappearing down the well as soon as you finally play Mario Maker, we'll never see you again. It's gonna happen. Uncharted being delayed again, gentlemen. Moving away from Nintendo now, much to Brian's relief. Especially uh, half the news stories we have are all about fucking Nintendo. But that's the thing. This is the news. It's Nintendo are the only ones that have really done anything substantial in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Uncharted has been delayed again, moved another two weeks to, I believe, May 10th now, I think is the date I read. Um, it's weird, it's like... I've stopped being excited for this game but for so long. They're though. playing keep away with it. Like, I'm, it, I'm I mean, still excited for it. The I, thing is, I'm not chomping at the bit for it, I never was, but I am looking forward to having some fun on playing with I it. I was excited to get in on this fucking franchise and finally set it right But again, you're still stuck down in what is the worst one of the three. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, even at this point, I would probably advocate leaving one to start in two. What if I miss out on story stuff? I'm sure they'll catch you up. Um, I'm just. I am curious to know. Uh, did they give any reasons for why? Because to, the delay by two weeks when we're at this point so close, like it must be some bizarre piece of stress testing like, they I need mean, to do. There can't be that much. Well, last do. time basically the excuse they gave was polishing. Yeah, that they were still working on some things and they didn't want to make it go gold while they were still kind of um, working on stuff. Maybe it is two weeks to remove the uh, stolen Assassin's Creed art. <laughs> um, that was uh, strange, wasn't it? No, it wasn't strange at all. Um, that what, what what was it that happened again? Mark, remind me with the the, the Assassin's Creed. Was Just a, while I looked this up, was the picture. Um, was it, it was that there was a the picture tra- in the trailer. Yeah, that was stolen art asset from an Assassin's Creed game. Yeah, it's very very strange. Very very strange. 
Yeah, it's out 10th of May. Uh, in an effort to meet the considerable worldwide demand and to ensure that all gamers worldwide have the opportunity to play the game on day one, we have chosen to postpone the launch of the game by two weeks to allow for extra manufacturing time. So there's something that's on fire. Uh, <laughs> we want to make more discs. That's from, of all places, the Irish Independent. <laughs> this is very strange. Um, but yeah, that's Uncharted delayed for another couple of weeks. Phil Spencer has the gall to enjoy some games and Twitter has flipped out with him. Phil Spencer, Phil Spencer is a great man, head of Xbox. And as I've said to Mark multiple times before, the man's Twitter game is considerable. He's the guy who's actually decent and not the last guy who... Don Matrick? No, he's definitely not Don Matrick. Yeah, he's the guy who... Spat on... He's the guy who kind of looks like um, your man from True Blood. Was he your man who you know, said... You suck it. He kind of looks like that guy. Was he the guy who was like, like, you know, well, if you don't want your Xbox to be online all the time. That was Don Matrick. That was Don Matrick. They quickly showed him the door. (laughs) Uh, He went off to Zynga, wasn't it? Yeah, which quickly folded on that. Yeah, yeah, Phil Spencer basically is like single-handedly turning Microsoft face again at this point. Yeah, he is. He is the likable face of the Microsoft conglomerate. Doesn't have contempt for his own customers. Um, Well, to put it like his uh, profile image on Twitter is a pixelated version of himself holding a Battletoad. So he like and he, <laughs> he actually has shown on multiple occasions like he actually is a gamer. He's not just a suit that works for a game comp- yeah. a game developer. Um, So someone asked him on Twitter, hey Phil, what game are you most excited for this year? And Phil, quite frankly, responded. Uh, said, Gears said I also thought the Division beta was very good people will block me for this but Uncharted 4 will be a great game I'm sure some people who still live in this age where I want to see the other console drown in flames because I bought my console uh, someone butts in at this point and says Xbox head talking about how great Uncharted 4 will be just wave the white flag already this is embarrassing sad to say to which point, Phil turns around, dusts off the old bitch slap glove, and says, we should all applaud when a team does something special. Those who hope for a team to fail due to platform aren't real gamers. <laughs> oh! Oh, there's some Zing! fire, some some piss we'll look, fair, we'll look fair play to him, because like, he, like, he is making a point, listen, whenever a good game comes out, we're all winners. But it's amazing that like the, the start of this generation was characterised by Sony Boiling. absolutely just disassembling Microsoft and the press no, conference that even, happened earlier that day. Even, do, no, do you not no. remember the video, the greatest video of all time, how to share games on PS4? And it just was a Shuhei Yoshida and Andrew Hayes or something like that, and they just passed the game for one another. That was the end of the video. No, 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 no. Microsoft did most of the work for Sony on oh, that. They did, by yeah, fucking yeah. self-destructing oh, massively. Oh, they picked up the shovel and they dug deep. And yeah. then out of nowhere came these PlayStation ads. It's for the players. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. and they just, they just hopped. They basically just. Totally they just they switched they switched roles for this generation like because the PS3 was the garbage truck on fire last generation that was yeah. just constantly burying itself um and now they're just like miles ahead but like it's nice to see that they're kind of like because Shu Yoshida does it as well where he'll like compliment a cool Xbox thing when those happen once in a blue moon um and vice versa there's 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 more friendliness than there ever has been before and I think a lot of that is down to Phil Spencer like because it coincides with around the time Phil Spencer took charge yeah. whereas it is still the same Sony people mm. um it's kind of it's less adversarial now and more on the kind of the nice. interest of the gamer which is great hashtag lad speaking of Microsoft gentlemen Microsoft I don't know if you've been following this story lads Microsoft plans to upgrade the Xbox One hardware and unify PC and console platforms this is mental mm-hmm. bit mental the idea that right 
Microsoft are going all to all along this was a long game to get everybody back on PC gaming yeah well this is the thing like, <laughs> that it's going to be like that there's going to be really few differences between the idea of gaming on a PC and gaming on your Xbox and that every couple of years there's going to be a new iteration of the Xbox One out that has slightly kind of upgraded well, the um, Xbox One interface specs. is as shit as Windows. But no, 8. this is no, this is not the software. This is or firmware. This is hardware. Mm. Like I you don't... know, like the equivalent of oh, every year and a half, there's a new Turbo Graphics card. Yeah, that's I'm amazing. Stunned to think where the financial incentive is in is in this. Well, if it caught on, then no, yeah, yeah, there's he- there's heavy financial incentive because you can get people still buying this version of the Xbox One that's out now. You can get people paying a little bit extra to get the new one. There are there is a certain percentage of the market that will always pay. Like with PC gaming, there's a certain percentage of the market that will always pay to have the highest res, being able to run games in full on super yeah, but, kind of retina burning HD. Uh, Hand up again there, right? Yeah, no, because you were saying about modular and how I understand the term modular meaning that Microsoft designed an Xbox One whereby a new graphics card comes out and you slot out your old graphics this card is, and you see, because they're talking very nebulously card. about it but this seems to be one of the ideas that they're exploring but is like, that you're going to be able to so like for example say Far Cry 5 comes out for, for example right and you're still going to be able they've assured people that with the basic Xbox One the one that's out now you're still going to be able to play everything but to get the super responsive super HD kind of wider fields of vision stuff like that less loading times and that sort of stuff maybe even upgrade your hard drive that's when you're going to want to make the incremental jump yeah because I imagine the big thing more than anything else is going to be just an increase in capacity of your hard drives because yeah. even where we are now with like your a standard 500 gigabyte but the, especially the one because there's so much space on the Xbox One that's taken up by the OS on it uh, yeah, yeah. That well, I don't have very many games on my Xbox One and the thing is still fucking full <coughs> yeah. well, like, do you know what I mean Like, and I don't even I, like, I flag my games to download every month on Games with Gold but I don't download them because there's no fucking space yeah. Master Chief Collection is responsible for over 100 gig of that but like look, looking at like in my head right now from what you've described around 100 gig. I'm, I'm envisioning a scenario whereby in much the same way that people end up with 6-7 grand's worth of PC bills that you you know we to foresee an Xbox One whereby it's it's totally modular you can have a super duper fan I also and hard drive and graphics card and you know not just your because it all this all kind of co- I think comes off the back of the elite controllers hmm. you know that there there's literally no need for any of this shit but if you're the kind of person who's going to sink money into it yeah we can have people with five six grand Xboxes that they've put all that modern sport in so I mean, I'm wondering There's if money there, yeah. I'm wondering if the, the long-term plan is Microsoft just want to unify the Xbox and their Windows plays into one thing, so it's not a kind of fractured market. Well, they want the unified. The, the whole point of this generation of the console was the unified living room. Like they wanted the TV to be brought in with the console, and maybe this was the next step in the plan. Now, bringing the TV in with the console didn't necessarily work out very well. Yeah, well. because when you go, here's a video game console. Here's sport. Here's more sport. 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 Call of Duty. Sport. 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 Yeah. Movie. Sport. Sport. Yeah. 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 To move on. Um, it's an interesting idea. It's not going to appeal to everybody. No. Um, but hell, like, try something different. Yeah, you know what I mean? sure, why not? You know, if it pans out, it pans out. If not, it, it doesn't. Um, so that's Phil Spencer, that's Microsoft. Um, for the first time in living memory to me, anyway, the Xbox Live, the whole thing went down uh, about a week ago. I heard about it. For this. a while. 
Mm. Uh, from a DDO DDoS attack, direct denial DDoS. of service, which is basically for those DDoS. of you who aren't in the know, it's basically people uh, have these programs that are designed to make multiple thousand to kind of use a bunch of computers that are networked together as like zombie computers and keep attacking a website by trying to request that the page is generated. And by doing that over and over again, you create a direct denial of service response, which is basically so many computers are trying to access a website at the same time that the website crashes completely. Mm. Um, and this happened to Xbox Live. And I don't recall this. I recall this happening, happening almost with creepy regularity on PlayStation Network for a while during the PS3. And we all remember that famous Did security you? breach in 2011. Yeah. Other things like that have happened. Um, the Christmas Day one of last year and the Christmas Time one of the start of this year. Um, it has happened with PlayStation. I don't recall this happening on this level with Xbox, um, at least not in a kind of headline-making way before. Um, so that's interesting that it's not... They, they, they're mortal. Um, they, can, they can actually... They, they have faults. Uh, no Man's Sky. Woo! Mark has a, a hot take on this one. No Man's Sky is getting a physical release. Uh, it is dated at the moment, although I will not uh, hold my breath. It is dated at the moment, according to Sean Murray in a post on the PlayStation blog, to be coming out on June 21st. So I have a couple of things to talk about this. Firstly, uh, Mark has a take on the whole $60 price tag and the response online to that. And then I'll move over to Brian after that, who has looked at a bit of the new coverage of No Man's Sky that came out in the last week that I actually haven't looked at yet. So, Mark. Well, I don't really think it's much of a hot take because a number of people on, on Twitter have oh, uh, kind of expressed a similar viewpoint. Um, so, you know, naturally, whenever anything gets announced, uh, piss is boiled and, and thrown across Twitter and Reddit and wherever else. Uh, and basically the idea that uh, this game is coming out... At, I presume is the full price of $60 in the US and whatever the equivalent will be here over here and people saying well it's an indie game it's made by four people which for a start it's not made by four people it's made by up to ten and more and is also and is also being financed by Sony yeah uh, my hot take is the fact that I would presume Hello Games had nothing to do with the pricing of this game and it's just gone straight from Sony <laughs> yeah. and on my, my my hot take on it would be if this game delivers on what it's supposed to be they probably deserve $60 per unit for oh, how big yeah. that game is going to be exactly. like in a world where people are going oh I shouldn't have to pay uh, $30 for a game as short as The Witness well then by that rationale you should be paying several hundred dollars for a game the size of No Man's Sky yeah now we was having um, what almost turned into quite the heat debate the other week about Gone Home yeah, and that the price, the origin price of that game. Yeah, and straight away, like if that game is twenty dollars, I mean, No Man's Sky being sixty dollars is a pretty good fucking deal. Yeah. If it is what we think it is going to be, which yeah. is still to be decided. Um, so yeah, I just just irrational fanboy outrage, fucking hot nonsense that I'm now kind of getting numb to. Mm. Um, they could fucking release that for a hundred dollars. Like people have. I'd buy it. People have the income out there that will pay it. Um, if you don't want to pay it, don't pay it. You vote with your wallet. That's it. Um, I know there's. I'm pr- presuming there's the piece of news about DLC and how much money. In many, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it just comes down to if you don't want to buy something, don't buy it. Vote with your wallet and hope that somewhere along the way you topple the machine by not doing anything. Doesn't yeah. really work like that. Uh, Brian, so uh, a couple of gaming news outlets have gotten their hands on a little bit of No Man's Sky playing a half an hour or so of it the, uh, in the last week or so. The exact words uh, couple, were, couple of impressions you've gotten. The, the exact words that I got from... Uh, first off, I read uh, the article and then um, this was on IGN. And then I actually saw some of the footage which appeared to be the, the same 30 minutes they were letting everybody of mm-hmm. a few people look at. But it was it was literally described as 
13 minutes hands-on with the quote-unquote new build. Yeah. Um, I will say from what I saw the footage, it looks prettier. The prettiest bit yet of what we've seen so far. Yeah. Not a whole lot different in yeah. that you're still on the... It's still the basic thing we've seen. ...world with animals and, and monument alien Like, monuments if you see like this, that. you're going to know it's No Man's Sky. Yes, it's yeah. going to be unmistakably No Man's Sky, but it did look a bit prettier. It did look higher graphics quality. Yeah. Uh, there's still infuriating little info about... Because in 30 minutes, the game is so fucking huge. You know, there's no way knowing what's going on here. You're just basically... There was an element to it of some guy from IGN getting to play, do basically what Sean Murray did at E3. Pretty much almost exactly the same thing. Uh, bopping around a bit, collecting some resources, dealing with being on a planet with minus 165 degrees Celsius weather, and your outdoor thermal suit needing upgrading. Uh, one thing that did come across, which hadn't come across before, which is very interesting, was that uh, he was able to interact with with an alien shopkeeper huh and by the method he chose to interact kind of vague on it but how he chose to interact with him uh, he got a notification pop of pos- a positive effect to his relation with that specific alien race the so, Korvac so and then RPG he, elements at play there and then he found a monument out in the wilderness an mm. alien one of which he examined and it taught, pictures of this monument and it taught him you now know the Korvac word for okay, so kind of like in Rise of the Tomb Raider, where you find relics that teach you part of a language, and if you get a certain amount of relics that you examine, then you are at level one for that language. I think an element of that, yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. He got to see the spaceship, because he couldn't afford one. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> more resource collecting, of course, exploration. Um, there was some more of Sean Murray rubbing everyone's nose on how big his sandbox is. <laughs> uh, what was it? It was described as... They left the planet after bumping around the planet for a bit and went to one of the space stations yeah. and looked out the window down the planet. Somewhere there's one of my favourite bits looking at the space station at one of the planets. And there was a big red discoloration on the planet. So it was like, what's that? Like a weather formation that or something? And this kind of blush, red blush down in the on the planet's surface. And somebody was like, no, that's what you explored at the planet. Hmm. And it was just like, ah! Um... Yeah, so that's that's No Man's Sky anyway. Oh, and no minimap. That was an no interesting mini-map. thing. Sean uh, Murray made a big deal about there's no minimap because no one's been here before except yeah. you. So you there is no build map. a minimap by looking around. Cool. Yeah. Um, so again, very briefly because I realised uh, that I'd forgotten two big stories that I have to put in that we mentioned in the course doing this news update so we kind of need to fly through these last ones. Brian, give us a cliff notes on the Fallout 4 DLC. Are you going to say? my notes? Um, uh, yeah. Because you are the man who speaks Fallout. Three Fallout 4 DLCs coming out March, April and May uh, in order to... Automatron Automation Okay I can't, can't Wrote this down Automatron That that was it Automatron uh, I'm excited for it Custom building Robot companions For yourself uh, I want me a Sentry bot mule For the win uh, Second one In May Wasteland Workshop Seems a lot smaller Basically capture And for and force or train Enemies To fight for your Entertainment uh, So like you can Catch them death claws And make them Fight in a big arena Seems to be You'll be able to new uh, settlement building stuff to build your own arenas and monster traps and things like that um, what am I doing here trying to rule a batter town it was just a, a funny I wrote in there <laughs> uh, and then the one that people actually seem to give a shit about which is Far Harbour which will be in May which is the first story DLC with a new location which is conforming to the previous pattern for DLC for Fallout games mm-hmm. where you get a new chunk of map with a whole new story new factions in this appearance apparently there's going to be more from the children of the atom 
um, who so far in Fallout 4 I've only encountered as corpses at one location very very early on Um, and it's going to be a quest with Nick Valentine the companion so there's going to be mandatory uh, old timey private detective team obviously but that's what I got from Fallout I'm okay. excited for all those except maybe Wasteland works out because um, someone used the word someone who apparently from Bethesda used the word Pokemon to describe because you're going to catch and trade and fight with death balls and I'm kind of like oh this sounds pretty gimmicky and shit um, but the other two excited for Harmonix are looking for 1.5 million dollars do you find it around the back of the couch maybe yeah. uh, because they are trying to fund a PC port of Rock Band 4 man no one cares that much thoughts Mark <laughs> I don't really have any I mean I wasn't expecting it. I can say that. They're currently at $348,790 on fig.co. Um, Clearly, like, this whole recession thing must be over then if people are willing to spend money for a PC fucking port of Rock Band 4. And there are, what, I think I read it earlier on, there are four people. That's four people? Hold on. There are five people who have backed it at one the $1,000 tier. So five different people have paid one thousand dollars for the particular tier with the gifts that come with it. It's madness. Uh, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. That you know. I mean, like I've only crowdfunding briefly... a port of a game that's already out. I I haven't actually spent any time with Rock Band Four. I played Guitar Hero. Like it's fun. Game, I? It's fun. We played a bit. We should play it actually someday. It's fun, but it doesn't reinvent the wheel. It's just more Rock Band. Dave loves yeah. to dig his keys and do it aside. Damn right. Damn right. Some Carrie Underwood. Yeah. We, we represent. Might. No, it's um, it's fun, but it's the same. Like it's not, it's not trying to uh, reinvent itself. Like uh, Guitar Hero is trying to do something different. I don't see what the need for having a PC is. Like, what what corner of the market are they aiming it's, for? It's, I don't know. It's you know, it's it's the kind of thing. It's getting into the casual in the room family game where you get everybody around the TV. Yeah, but screen but again, but again, at the same yeah. t- at the same time, Brian, most families don't have a PC hooked up to their TV. Yeah, I know. So that's why I'm saying what yeah. it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, oh, that, that's, you're no. saying that's what they're doing. No, yeah. I, that's what I'm saying that's why it doesn't make sense because yeah, you have yeah, your yeah. console that's hooked yeah. up to your TV in your front room like we do and there's yeah. space for everybody. I mean, are we all going to go up to your room and cram in around your bed to play Rock it's, Band no, on your PC no, in your room? We're not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that at all. <laughs> Much as I'd like not to sit in your bed and play drums, but like, you know, whatever. Wow, that got weird. Okay, <laughs> PS4 uh, firmware upgrade uh, version 3.50 is in beta testing at the moment. There's a couple of interesting features in there. Yeah, there is. Uh, one of whom appeals to the streamer in you, um, or the, the at least video capture person in you, the idea that we're going to be able to remote play to PC from PlayStation 4. So it's going to make it easier for streamers to be able to capture video feed directly from a PS4, uh, rather than have to go through Twitch or a client like that. Um, other 350 features include finally the ability to be notified when your friends come online and the ability to set yourself and this is one that's good for me to, excuse me to appear offline so when you want to go play a game or watch Netflix without being bothered by game invites you can appear offline Right. which is something that you really should have been able to do well, from the start. But yeah, you never send me game invites. Well, that and the notified when friends come online, like that's surprising. there are things the PS3 did a long time ago. Yeah, I remember like the first time I got my Xbox 360. In fact, on PS3, like, oh, I remember that. trying to figure out very quickly how to turn that off. Yeah, when people logged on, it's like it's so ingrained into me. I can remember the sound in my head of yeah. being uh, notified someone on your 360s. Um, you'll also be able to set a scheduled event, such as a gameplay session with friends, and set for specific people to be automatically added to a party. Parties will be better supported with the ability to see what each party member is playing, so you can join in on a new game together. Finally, PS4 will allow it, and now allow you to do live streams with daily motion. 
Oh, cool. So there's a couple of uh, cool little things. Uh, nothing major. No. But uh, a couple of cool little details. They're just constantly trying to refine things, but will not let us change our PSN usernames, which doesn't really bother me. I like mine. But, uh, yeah. you know, some people quite bothered by having their trophies tied to, you know, like Blunt Smoker 42069. <laughs> we were all 15 once again. <laughs> Indeed. Um, former Senator. This gave me a yuck. Former senator who uh, campaigned against violent video games has been jailed for gun running and corruption in the US. This is... I mean, is there anything more that needs to be said? Fucking hysterically Eurogamer. funny. Former US Senator Leland Yee, this is from Eurogamer, has been sentenced to five years in prison on charges of corruption and weapons smuggling. You remember Yee is a focal opponent of video game violence. He campaigned for tighter restrictions around the sale of games and a state-backed ratings board to replace the current US-wide ESRB. Oh, the irony. So he admit, admitted political corruption charges, accepting bribes and favours, and involvement in a never-completed plan to smuggle guns into the US from the Philippines. From the Philippines? Yeah. Trivia note, do you remember the game that basically created the, created the rating system we have for games now? Mortal Kombat. Bang on. Very Boom. Well. <laughs> Look at that. Um, right, so then uh, two more uh, news stories, and then it is on to the book club. Uh, Gabe Newell. This was a really fucking weird story that I just thought of in the middle of all this. Gabe Newell f- publicly firing the Dota 2 presenter amid tournament troubles. I don't know if you follow me. There's a Dota tournament going on at the moment in Shanghai that's a fucking garbage truck on fire, careening towards a cliff. In the middle of all this, um, Valve fired, because they obviously run the thing, they fired the announcer that they've used for these Dota tournaments. And the kind of the, the backlash from the fans like oh fuck why the fuck did this Gabe Newell took to Twitter I believe or no it was Reddit adding <laughs> going on he, he went on to confirm that the man James 2GD Harding along with the production company responsible for broadcast of the games had been fired uh, Gabe Newell goes on to Reddit adding that James is an ass <laughs> and not someone that's a direct quote <laughs> and not someone Valve will be working again in the future as to production of Turner Broadcast Newell hopes Valve will be able to find a new partner to replace PTV Half my freaking sound but basically like, this was like apparently like he's made some controversial comments in the past that have upset the Valve people um, and the production company have had very shoddy like kind of productions of these events and stuff like that so Valve aren't happy with them but the one that's kind of uh, interesting to me is someone who's like a head of a of a massive company like Valve coming out and being that unprofessional we're all human we all have that moment and in this day and age where social media is but fingertips away it happens Hmm. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg give us 53 million yeah Final, (laughs) final story DLC and microtransactions are a thing that are the bane of a lot of people's lives in some cases particularly say microtransactions in Metal Gear Solid 5 that have made the game less good uh, in subsequent weeks since it came out Um, they're here to stay gentlemen EA released a statement last week saying that they make on average 1.3 billion dollars a year on microtransactions and DLC the astounding thing about this story for no, me. No, this is not astounding. It's not astounding, but it's it not. is at the same time, is that over half of this, so over $675 million, is coming from Ultimate Team on Madden and FIFA by itself. And I guarantee you half of that money is by people streaming online saying, oh, let's see what pack I got today. Oh my God, it's yeah, fucking... Joe... Cole. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was just so just, cold. I was just the first film. I often sometimes when I'm sad just more just great Joe Hall. Look, he scored a great goal against Sweden in the World Cup 2006. Oh, didn't he just? And then it just went all downhill from there. I once scored an identical goal to that with uh, Damien Duff on Pro Evo 5. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Little interesting fact. Well, no, it just goes to prove that people who play FIFA and Madden are wild lunatics. <laughs> <laughs> and soulless monsters. Yeah, because yeah, no one in this room has ever bought a season pass site unseen before any content is released. That would be real madness. I mean, uh, have you... <laughs> have you been out though, isn't it? <laughs> David, Look, don't don't talk to me about blind faith, David. David a, yeah, exactly. I'm saying you can't throw Nintendo. You can't no, 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 throw no, no, no. fire at me but, and then no, expect no, none right. to be thrown back at you and get but upset when people mention Fallout Four. But I'm not get throwing fire. You at You are. You just call us wide-eyed lunatics. I do that about twice a week. Exactly. But then you get. But then you get. Then you get all defensive when I shit on Fallout Four. I'm not. I'm not shitting in between a fucking couple. Exactly. But you're not shitting on Fallout Four. You're shitting. I will if you want. I know you will. <laughs> right, I have a question for you. Yeah, as the yeah. man who buys FIFA annually. Yeah, I don't play Ultimate Team. You don't play Ultimate Team? No, he doesn't. Okay. No, I play for the trophies, that's it. All right. It doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, yeah, of course It's a trading card game. Yeah. Like, literally the first time you explained to me what it was. Yeah, like, I don't do it. All the slagging and ribbon and mocking aside, yeah. he... I don't do it. Like, I play football for... on... Each like, I would fully team. understand if the, the uh, Ultimate Trading Card thing was like an iPhone app in the same way that like WWE Supercard is something. Yeah. Like, if you saw if I saw WWE Supercard on WWE 2K16 or whatever, I'd be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. On top of the poor... But it's like, you basically, you use those cards to build a team and then you actually do physical... Yeah, no, I, I, know yeah. I, I know what it is. I know what it is. But yeah, it's, it's never held any off. interest for me. I did it one year, uh, the year I got a Platinum on FIFA, so not, uh, not last year, the year before. Can we just take a photo of how you're sitting right now and make it the My leg is cramped up. And make it the cover, though, for this podcast? Because <laughs> no. you look so pimp right now, man. I am pretty pimp. Just one leg hopped over. You look like um, an old-timey king on his throne. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's never really appealed to me, apart from the year that I did it, specifically to get the trophies. Platform on a FIFA game. What? You, we've got platform. Uh, platform. Uh, platinum on a FIFA game. Yeah, very hard to do. I, just... I think it was less than 1% of people got it on that aye, game. Yay, 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 yay. Yeah, damn right, son. Damn right, you have. It was my toughest platinum. I and you thought I got? I went down the well. That yeah, it didn't friend. take me nearly as much time as it's taking you to play through four versions of Pokemon. Anyway, uh, that's the news for this week. So what we're going to do is now move on to our book club, and this week we are talking about a little game called the Neverhood. Neverhood. This week's book club. The Neverhood, also called Neverhood Chronicles, released in Japan as Clayman Clayman, 
1996 point-and-click adventure game developed by the Neverhood Incorporated and published by, of all people, DreamWorks Interactive. The game follows the adventure of a claymation character named Clayman as he discovers his origins and purpose in a world made entirely out of clay. When the game was originally released, it was unique in that it featured uh, all of its animation done entirely in claymation, including all of the sets, rather than two or three-dimensional computer graphics like many other games at the time. The gameplay consists mostly of the player guiding the main character, Clayman, around uh, and solving puzzles to advance the game. As a player begins uh, through different areas of the game, there are various video sequences that help advance the plot. In addition to being unique, the neighborhood is aimed at being quirky and humorous, as evident by the characters, the music, and the plot sequence of the game. The Neverhood is a game that, when I brought it up last week, or on the last episode, for us to do, neither Mark nor Brian had ever heard of it before. Nope. Whereas, at the same time, it is among my enduring memories of gaming as a child. Um, I distinctly remember going over to my neighbour's house who had a PC at the time and they had a gateway PC, as we'll get to, uh, pre-installed on it or part of the, the discs that come with it to install on it was a copy of The Neverhood. So they would park me, when they were minding me, they would park me in front of this game and I would play it. And to this day, like I hadn't, before I picked it up with each of you individually to watch you play through it and to remind myself of what it was like, uh, I haven't played it in 20 years. Because yeah. I played it around the time it came out. It's so 1996. I haven't played it in about 20 years. Despite that, I still distinctly remember different areas, different puzzles, different things that happen. And particularly in one occasion that kind of freaked myself out, I was humming the music away as Brian was playing. Because I could remember the songs. I had the songs buried somewhere deep, but somehow disconnected, couldn't remember where they were from, because I do love this soundtrack for this game. Um, I suppose, kind of, reasons it stand out for me. The soundtrack, I've already said. Um, the the humour to it, it's kind of like, it's weird, it's it's quirky, it's it's fun. Uh, it's great for um, a kid, like, because again, I would have been six or seven years old playing this. And... Um, Going back as an adult as well, it hasn't really lost any of its charm or whimsy either. Um, the claymation element to it is particularly great. It's a shame that the version we were playing on my Windows 10 PC chugged like a motherfucker during cutscenes, so we didn't get to enjoy the cutscenes rendered as smoothly as they should have been. And the fact we were playing it on a massive screen stretched out and kind of made the... The resolution, the resolution was, was less than desirable. Yeah. But at the same time, like it was enough to get a good kind of... Um, a good feel for how it is. Um, Point Click Adventure, which was kind of de rigueur at the time for PC gaming in particular. Yeah, like 94, 95, 96. Yeah, it was the heyday of that kind of thing, as I was explaining to Brian when we were playing through it. The, the heyday of like Monkey Island and Grim Fandango and stuff like that. It was during Lu that kind of period. Lucas, Lucas Games of the World. Yeah, like my, this was my bread and butter growing up. Yeah. Right? These kind of uh, sometimes obtuse, although I would put this on the easier side of Point and Click Adventure games. Uh, in as in as much as no puzzle that either of ye or myself faced during any of our playthroughs was ridiculously obtuse. There was a couple of them that were slightly obtuse that you had to figure out like causation between one area and another and things like that. But in terms of like say for example playing Grim Fandango. Grim Fandango's puzzles are sometimes massively obtuse. That like you really have to be just either really on the ball paying attention or you have to just be trying any random combination of things and hope that the thing you're doing is correct. Uh, or kind of, you want to talk about some a game that has some choose puzzles, the one I'm playing through still at the moment, The Witness. 
has some fucking obtuse as fuck puzzles. Well, the key thing uh, I noticed straight away with this point-and-click adventure, and like my experience with point-and-click adventures is not great, um, mainly because I didn't do PC gaming growing up. Yeah, that's kind of I, where... I kind of dipped in and out. Like My early experiences with games are on the PC. The first two games I distinctly remember playing are Doom and Commander Keen. It's a good, good place to yeah. start. And after that, I played a game that I would years later remember was Gods, which was also available on Sega Mega Drive, and um, this, and Grim Fandango, and very, very small bit of friend of mine had Monkey Island. My my PC gaming consisted of Championship Manager 94. That was the only... (laughs) That and, like, Minesweeper. Oh, I played a little bit of Quake as well. Oh, yeah. Everyone did. All the RTSs. And the official Space Jam game. Yeah? Yeah. That, I that's the thing. Dis- I do distinctly still remember that there is one level that's set in, you know, that scene in Space Jam where they sneak into Michael Jordan's room and get all his gear and mm-hmm. stuff, where you have to sneak around and find where all his gear is hidden in the room. Yeah. Uh, I do distinctly remember that because Space Jam was my jam uh, back in the day. But, um, yeah, like, still, I've always really considered myself a console gamer rather than a PC gamer. Well, just a gamer, but kind of my preference is towards a console version of a game. Yeah, but back to what yeah. my point from all this was going to be is that uh, the one thing I noticed straight away is that there wasn't any uh, kind of infantry screen or menu. And like no, when you, simple. Yeah, very simple. So when you pick items up, um, you don't need to at some point kind of start dragging and dropping and trying to see what works, whatever. Yeah. It's like if you click on an item, if you click to the right thing at some point earlier on, it just automatically, boom, it, mm. it solves the puzzle for you. Uh, what I like about the world is, um, and we use this word a lot, for, for shit like this but there is a, a level of immersiveness to it yeah there's um, a charm yeah and that's based off of um, it's a hudless display for yeah. a start all there is is the, the, the mouse icon moving around the screen with you yeah and um, the first person sometimes third person it's first person when you're moving between areas and third person when you're in buildings yeah yeah well on a kind of yeah. 2D plane yeah um, and it's just yeah it's really weird quirky atmosphere to it a lot of this is down to the sound design yeah the sound design is like when you're outside in the first person view uh, it's it's quiet there's no music in the background there there's just kind of weird haunting kind of noises yeah and yeah. like your footsteps um, and the whole time I was playing it the key thing for me was like I just really wanted to see how this game was developed more so than most games because it was done in, in a clay the motion behind stuff. the scenes yeah because the only game that I played that was full on clay motion up until this point was Clay Fires uh, which is not a very good game yeah uh, and this had a lot of the um, did you ever watch um, Smart when you were younger yeah yeah so what the hell was the fucking clay motion guy in there oh don't test me oh no do you know what I'm about? Yeah, he, he was on, it was on ITV wasn't it yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have seen it then. Oh, okay, fair enough. But you know what I'm on about with that kind of closure motion yeah. style. Yeah. It's, it was like it's kind of a mixture of that and Earthworm Jim. Yeah, that surrealist yeah. visual kind of animation. Um, and I only kind of sat down for a couple of hours with it, but it was something that none of the puzzles were too obtuse that I was getting bored of it. You would with every single puzzle within a couple of seconds, you knew what the puzzle was, what yeah. it was trying to get you to do. Now, sometimes, in particular, because both of you had one thing in common, you both struggled at the same puzzle 
which was the reorganizing the letter in the you had a grid of nine spaces. Yeah, but just fuck those puzzles in general. But yeah, that's like you don't like those puzzles in general. Brian doesn't do puzzle games at all, as I'm sure he's going to talk about in a moment. But um, like with the exception of that, like you during your playthrough, Mark, you immediately got what the thing was trying to get you to do, and like. I like that kind of thing um, for for some games. Like I like I like the witness. Don't get me wrong. If you're looking for a challenging puzzle game, but I think in terms of an entry point puzzle game, where it's like the mechanic is like it's easy to spot what the puzzle is trying to get you to do, so it's easy to learn yeah. what you need to do. The, the and even thing, then, if it's a bit challenging from there out, that's fine. Once you get what it wants you to do. Yeah, and I think the key thing overall with this game coming from your perspective is yeah. I can see why you would hold it in such regard from just a kind of nostalgic perspective because yeah. it's so different from anything else you would have probably yeah. have played. It's still very different from anything now. Oh, like, yeah. It's still, like, it's still out there. It's yeah. I can't think of a game since, really, that's the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there are other puzzle games. There are other games like Clay Fighters that have claymation involved, but there's no game that's, like, got that weird claymation animation that has that kind of weird dumb funny aspect to it and has this weird quirky and at times jazzy soundtrack yeah, to it yeah. um it's like a, it's a perfect storm and it's one of the things like i um excuse me just to talk about this is for the soundtrack right which is something i keep harping on about which is so strange um, the game soundtrack was composed and performed by Daniel Amos frontman Terry Scott Taylor and went on to win GMR Magazine's Best Game Music of the Year award Tom Clancy's video game composer Bill Brown called the Neverhood soundtrack the best of any video game soundtrack <laughs> so like it is like it's considered quite good it's funny like the critical reception to this game so there's a lot of like really positive stuff so like Adventure Gamers <laughs> Magazine or website whichever it is Adventure Gamers, anyway, gave it four and a half stars. Uh, Game Revolution, a B plus. Entertainment Weekly, at the time, gave it an A. Uh, and then uh, Game Rankings, cumulative meta score for the whole thing is 87%. Um, the one outlier is GameSpot, gave it 4.9 out of 10. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah. I've never even heard of the, the follow-up. Like, what is Skull Monkeys? Is that a spiritual sequel, or is that a remake? Spiritual, I believe. It's, yeah. not, it's not really Because I've never even heard of that, and that's a PlayStation. But, like, this is the thing, right? As good as the game is, and as it was, like, as kind of warmly received as it was by and large, The Neverhood only really sold 42,000 copies. Yeah. Um, the reason it has such a kind of, like, uh, not with you, but the reason, like, a lot of people still remember it is because around an additional 600,000 copies were purchased by Gateway and pre-installed on their computers. Uh, over the years, it turned out that the Neverhood had also received a huge fan base in Russia and Iran as a result of the massive bootleg copying and distribution of pre-installed games on PCs. Madness. So it has this weird kind of like cult underlying thing uh, to it, and it is still very unique. Now, Brian, I want to turn to you at this point and just kind of... Because we've been talking all positive about it at this point, and we want to take it from the perspective of someone who doesn't like puzzle games at all. I just before a... I go into that, I want to make a very interesting point here. Just that I noticed you, you referenced Earthworm Jim there. Yeah. Uh, Mike Dietz and Ed Schofield, uh, two of the guys from Pencil Test Studios, mm-hmm. who did this, also did Earthworm Jim. There you go. The computer game. Go. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Glenn, he does look a bit like Earthworm Jim. Yeah. Look. For me, like, I'm not going to shit-talk the game because it's just not a game for me. I mean, I'm sitting there like, puzzles, how do they work? Like, Dave, you and I played Portal that one time and it was really pathetic. Yeah. Uh, because I would just, it ended up being, Dave, you tell me where to stand and what to do. Yeah. Because I'm bad at this. Um, yeah. It's just not the game for me. The, the 
thumping speed where you click and you thump, thump, thump. Yeah, it's very, the one thing I will say, the one thing I will say that incredibly dates those kind of games, uh, and we found this as well, talking about it um, when we were playing it as well, Mark, is that I'm very thankful that games have figured out a better way to move through 2D and 3D space now that we don't have to do point and click very often. Now, Tim Schafer still kind of holds on to the point and click <laughs> uh, sometimes, but um, that by and large, like I think the most frustration you had with it, Brian, was not being able to just move a stick that you had to click every time. To it's very slow. You can just walk up and press X at a thing, that it is like, slow. When, when you when you combine that with the fact that you might notice the great, the moment where I made the loudest noise of dissatisfaction with holding was the point where we were, I was clicking on a thing and you were like, Oh yeah, this is oh it's for a puzzle that's in another room. Yeah, you don't do the I like just, I was saying the causation thing we were talking about earlier on, where you have to there'll be some uh, environmental clues that what you're looking at pairs to something else you've already seen, or something um, miles away. Like, like we had the thing with the spikes. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. That is actually pretty much the exact point at which you did that thing. I pointed out to you that the spikes in one place are very similar to the spikes in another place, and I was like when you couple that with the speed with which you have to slowly trudge from area to area I just that does not suit me I don't like when the puzzle is split between various areas because in like with puzzle games if I get it at all it's after a couple of goes just to get the feel for it so the idea of having to go back and forth and back and forth between two areas that are far apart and an incredibly slow speed yeah. I'd rather jam forks in my eyes yeah like I, I'm all for um, the puzzle mechanics there was a, a game that I really liked on the Playstation called uh, Toonby or Toomba I think it was the US release and that did a lot of that where you'd do something in one room or one area like if every action had a reaction somewhere else but it was a 2D side-scrolling platformer, so it was very fast-paced. So you, you know, there was an enjoyment of going from one area to the next, or even something like uh, the kind of early Tomb Raider games. I don't know what the, the new ones are like, but you do start a puzzle in one room and it changes something in another room. And I can see that that is frustrating in itself, having that in that kind of environment. But then to mm. translate that into a kind of very slow-moving point-and-click adventure, I could see why. You just feel like, oh, this is not for me. And I, I could see even for, for me, after a couple of hours, though I was enjoying it, I was thinking, can we can we move this on a little bit? It was, I think, mean, pretty much at that moment where I just, I lost the will to really give it a, much more of a go, and I gave up shortly after that. Mm. Um, because he didn't make it, like, you made it, you played for about twice as long as Brian did. I think it was there for at least a good hour to two hours, I think. You were there nearly two hours. Brian, it was less than an hour before oh, you handed over to me. I just, no. It's just, it wasn't, it wasn't, like, at the end of the day, like, you're, you're playing games for fun, like, and it just mm. wasn't a fun experience for me. I, I fully ready to admit that in large part, that's just my taste, that's just my Yeah, taste I think that you. was what I said to you last night, is that when you gave up, it kind of finally clicked for me. One of the reasons you weren't a massive gamer when we were. Not the entirety of the reason, but one of them was because when we were small kids, these kind of games were ridiculously popular. Yeah. These were the kind of first person shooter of the day, and as much as point and click adventure games were fucking plentiful. Um, whereas the first person shooter things like that weren't. Um and then kind of you came on board sorta of with PC when RTS had its heyday. Oh, it was all um but yeah, it kinda of makes a lot of sense to me when I think about that because you don't really you don't really delve much into the platformers either which is the other game that was prevalent at the time like this was the heyday of Mario and Sonic and then Crash mm, yeah 
So it kind of makes a lot of sense to me when I think about it that way that 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 you didn't kind of get get on board like, I think sooner. I was to Mark like here, like one of the reasons I like RPGs is how it feeds into how I play RTSs with turtling. Mm. Like you know, there's a lot of similarities of style there. Like, yeah, you know. Um, so I suppose that's really that's 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 kind of it. Like it is one of my. I think if I were to put down like not maybe top twenty favorite games of all time but if i was put down a top 20 or even a top 10 of the most important games for me in my kind of gaming career my my lifetime of playing games which has been as i mentioned now for over 20 years i've been playing games um i've got to put this on the list for me as something that kind of figured out and this isn't to be an insult to these games uh, by any stretch of the imagination but made me realize games are more than just sonic and mario they're more than just like platform puzzle, or like platform jumping and getting to the end of a level, which are great, and I still love those kind of yeah, games. Yeah. But kind of made me realize that gaming has a lot more to offer than that. They can be these weird little quirky experiences, uh, experiences that have kind of puzzles that actually challenge you. Is participation more than completion? That kind of like I think what both of you uh, kind of seem to feel is that having played it, even though uh, particularly in your case, Brian, it isn't for you. Both of you can identify from that game. You can get why me, the oh, things I like, yeah, yeah, why yeah. that is yeah. a game I really hold in high esteem. Um, so, well, by no means, I said like I mean, like I was playing that like, and I was appreciating like claymation's always been a really interesting medium for making anything in like with the level of dedication and and the stop motion element to it like and mm. like, it's a game with serious amount of charm because i mean i wouldn't have played past five minutes yeah if there was no charm like if life. i had handed you the controller and it was the witness you were playing no <laughs> well that does have a bit of charm to it not well, as much but like it, it was like i was able to sit in and and, and like not so much transport myself back into young Dave, mm. but um, please don't transport yourself into young Dave. We got in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah, well, like I mean, I was able to sit there and kind of like you know give it the time of day because it was in a vein that a lot of games aren't anymore. Like it yeah. had some serious character to it. Like it's a throwback. Yeah, it's a throwback, but it it's it's definitely one worth giving the time of day to. Like I don't regret that I spent forty minutes bashing my head against a wall. <laughs> trying to get to grips with it like yeah, yeah yeah you know i don't regret that time but i wouldn't continue more because yeah. i reached the point where it was just no longer for me but like definitely no i agree it's 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 a little bit of game history right there like yeah. you can you can feel that coming off it. um elevator pitch is where we usually end this segment and seeing as it is my um my game Elevator pitch for this game is basically it is one of the most unique gaming uh, experiences you're likely to have, particularly if you take it in the context of 1996. I don't think you're really going to get anything like it before or since. Um, I think, like I said before, it's one of those games that if you played it in the mid-90s, you realised that games could be more than just platforming or more than just RTS or more than just RPG, that they could be something weird and something different. It is also one of the... Uh, most unique art styles and um, kind of has the, the, the most, one of the most unique uh, sound designs of any game I've ever played. Fucking love the soundtrack. Like I said, 20 years later, I still know the songs. <laughs> it's really, really strange. Um, it's funny. It's quirky. It's weird. It's a game that appeals to kids and I can now confirm having gone back and digged around it myself. It still appeals to me as an adult and not just because I hold it in such high regard. If I could get a version of it where the clip, where the cutscenes don't chug like a motherfucker, that would be great because I would definitely play the game through to completion again. 
Um, so yeah, someone at DreamWorks, go ahead and release it on Steam, please. That would be nice. Um, but yeah, that's uh, the neighborhood anyway. I would urge anybody that can try. There are. It's one of those things where I don't advocate piracy generally uh, on the show, but because you can't, you actually can't buy this game new. You can't. You would either have to pay an extortionate amount to get like a copy of this that someone got with their gateway computer via eBay or you're torrenting it, I would say go find this game whatever way you can because it is a weird, quirky little gem. A sort of undiscovered thing as evidenced by the fact that the first time I mentioned this game, the 2D looked at me as if I had just made it up. That you'd never heard of it. So it is one of those kind of... Um, it's an interesting thing to look at because it's not something that... Uh, it's not... It is probably... It, well, it's definitely of the shows we've done so far. It is the weirdest game. Yeah. And it is the one... It is the least well-known. Uh, I'm glad I got it in there eventually but um i suppose the last thing to do in the book club uh, is to turn over to mark it is your turn next to pick our game of the week so what is our book club game for next week give us a bit of preamble here i'm picking something that's a little more well known a little bit more well and it's something that we're actually going to get in and sit okay. down and play at some yeah. point so brian is sweating here because like there's a concern that with mark <laughs> and his retro sensibilities because i made a joke right i made a joke yesterday to brian and i was like well look we're playing the neighborhood now, but can you imagine the week that Mark finally turns around and says, "Right, Super Meat Boy." No, <laughs> it's like and the fucking condition the pair of us will no, have trying to play no, that. No, 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 no. Um, when you ask uh, your kind of teenage boys of this era what kind of first-person shooter would they play, so, teenagers now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're gonna get your Call of Duty. I know exactly where this is going. Yeah, of course. I you already know where this is going. You get your Call of Duty, and you get your, your Battlefronts from whatever. Yes. Like waiting for this since episode one. This is one of the ones that was on the list, and just they're just talking nonsense, right? They are hot you know, nonsense. Hot Mark. nonsense. Now I was there for the kind of first-person shooter revolution that was Call of Duty War, uh, Four: yeah. Modern Warfare. Great game. I wasn't there for the uh, PC kind of revolutions with Quake and Quakes and yeah, and Unreal tournaments and stuff. I yeah. played a little bit of one of the Unreal tournaments when I was in university, but I was there when it started on consoles. All right. Preach, brother. <laughs> Preach. Hey. No. I was there. He's got a swing of left and I got time splitters too. <laughs> which, which I am uh, I'm absolutely fine with, by the way. Which I'm pretty sure I still have. Um, no, I was there for GoldenEye 007. Yes, you were. All right. GoldenEye, N64. Arguably, uh, particularly for our generation, the greatest first-person shooter of all time. Now, that's not to say, and we'll talk about this next week, that it hasn't aged gracefully. Not necessarily. But... There's another shooter on N64 that has aged slightly better. Yeah, but we're going to whip out the 64 at some point this week, and I'm not talking about my penis. <laughs> hey! And we're going to play ourselves some Goldeneye. And then we're going to come you back. You have 64 of them? Well. So, yeah, that's for next week. Okay, excellent. So, Goldeneye it is. Uh, everybody get your sessions I'm just going to film again and talk about that. Gonna... <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, we can actually pair a playthrough with, oh. a, with a movie review. How about that? That's something. We do that for right. next week. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it a bit different, right? For the book club next week, Goldeneye 007 on N64 and Goldeneye the movie. Because oh. it's our first... This is the first game we've done that is uh, an adaptation of a movie or anything like that, isn't it? I presume so. There's not many of them that we'd probably end up. We haven't done Mario yet that has that was made into a film the reverse way. Actually, and we haven't done Street Fighter. Oh, there was a Far again. Cry film, but mm. wow. <laughs> you don't know there's a Far Cry film. I'm almost <laughs> certain I'm not making that up. No, no, it, it does exist. It hey, does there exist, we go. Yeah. Uh, right, so uh, that kind of brings things to a close this week. Um, 
please do go to linktothecast.wordpress.com where you can check all the things we have been doing lately. We tend to aggregate our content on there so you can pretty much catch everything. To catch the stuff as we're doing it, go to facebook.com and look for Link to the Cast. It is facebook.com slash Link to the Cast if you want to use the URL. On Twitter, we are at Link to the Cast. We'll usually, if we're going to do a live stream or something, you want to hop in the chat and talk to myself and Mark, you boys. Uh, we will usually put a tweet up there tell you that we're going live very soon so you can keep things uh, you can check things out there you can subscribe to us uh, twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast that's what you want to do as well um, our YouTube channel a lot of content going up there lately Mark has been doing some tremendous work going back with our new thumbnails that make us look like a semi-professional outfit and um, kind of prettying up that YouTube page for people which I do very much appreciate the work yourself, Mark, and uh, our good friend at AmoV1 on Twitter has been doing. Great darts. Great darts. Um, anything else? We got the YouTube. We got everything in there. Um, so still yeah, written that script of your. No, nope, still haven't. Every single week, I forget it. <laughs> Boom. Um, a Tumblr as well. The uh, it's seldom used Tumblr. Uh, I just went when we created this thing and we had the idea. I was like, right, I need to grab everything as quickly as possible, like so that they're not taken. And the one thing I didn't fucking get at the time was linked to the cast.com, which infuriatingly was free at the time, is not anymore. Yeah. But I just I have a reminder that I'm going to try buy that eventually. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, and I suppose individually on Twitter, uh, me Dave, I'm at Dave Ryan IV on Twitter. Mark is at Lithium Project. Brian is at Cargan C-A-R-G-I-N 4107 um, So for Link to the Cast this week I have been Dave Ryan Till next time I am Mark Robinson I'm going to do a sleep And I'm Brian <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye internet